open the open the uh, open uh, sarsaparilla uh, open Saskatchewan. Well, here we are, Pismo Beach, and all the claims we can eat. What a way for a duck to travel underground. Hey, wait a minute. Since when is Pismo Beach inside a cave? I wonder... Uh, you know, I just bet we should have turned left at Albuquerque. And then maybe a right turn at La Jolla. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Well, we can't be too far off. So if we, uh... It's mine, you understand? Mine! All mine! Get back in there! Down, down, down! Go, go, go! Mine, mine, mine! <laughs> By the way, just so you know, I almost opened today with about 90 seconds of David Caruso clips from CSI Miami. Almost. You know where he says, where he, you know, he's right before he takes I off the sunglasses. I wish you would have. Well, he takes, he takes off the yeah. sunglasses or, or puts the sunglasses on and he says, you know, he says something like, see, didn't we do this again a few weeks ago where I was trying to do a David Caruso thing and then I could never come up with one? Mm. Damn it. Damn it. All the hell. Just right out of the gate, I don't know what to do. All right, can we stop? Can we stop and start this again? Yeah. All right, we're going to begin today's program again from scratch. I'm going to try to come up with a David Caruso CSI Miami line to begin today's program uh, right now in the next 10 seconds. Okay. Well, it looks like this DJ's got a case of dead air. That's what I'm talking about right there. Well done, Sarah Dillon. <laughs> That's why you're the gold standard. All right. It is three minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of March in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed... Yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. And good morning to you. It is uh, Tuesday. And welcome to Day 12. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's uh, 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us today, 503-733-2970. If you would like to be part of today's program, and I know you would, 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, ruminations, whatever it is you might have. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or Richie with a T at kufo.com. Uh, and again, our phone number is 
Uh, here's what's coming up today from TMZ.com. Our good friend Katie Darrell will be weighing in today, which is great because they had the smoking gun were the ones who actually turned up, I think, the mugshot of the ShamWow guy. But I think TMZ uh, kind of shook loose a lot of the details on that. So we'll talk to Katie Darrell from TMZ today. From Did you see the newest uh, photos that were all banged up? She looks a little bit different in the photos that I find. I post them on uh, RanglingLive.com. But they're a different set of photos that we saw yesterday. Are These the, these are the shots of her with the big, the red kind of bleeding eye thing going on, are they? She doesn't look as bleedy in these pictures, but, but still <gasps> banged up. Oh, sort of like, those are bad. Yeah. Sort of like uh, somebody gave her a good uh, a good going over with the, with the uh, the ocular styptic pencil. Well, I it love him. Like, it's like night number two with the ShamWow guy. Hold on, let me look. Your commentary is awesome. The first line is never try to kiss a hooker. Wait, hold on a second. It's this under, is just a, It's under oh, slam pile. Wow. Anyway, you can go to RileyLive.com and take a look. Well, you look at her from the uh, you look at her from the right. You know that profile shot of her, and she just has a lot of like. Yeah, I made one ring. And look, she's wearing the same shirt the Shamal guy is wearing. I wonder if they if those are like you know police issues. Oh, shirts. if it's like a if it's like a cop gown or something. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a disturbing photograph. And right above that is another disturbing photograph of a burglary suspect. Your webpage is very unnerving today, Tim. It really it's is. Just full of disturbing imagery. And then then, and then Bro- Bro- Breathe Love is right below it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have the the sacked car dealership employees brawl. It's a wacky world. It, it really is. It's just a, it's just a, a universe gone mad. All right. Jesus. All right. Well, uh, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com will be uh, joining us today. Also from Cinematical, our good friend Don Taylor will be here to talk about DVD releases and uh, so forth. We'll be doing today's top five as well. The five artists that your best friend's bitchy girlfriend undoubtedly loves. Uh, we'll be doing uh, those. Your chance at Lisa Lampanelli tickets. We'll be giving uh, those away today. Uh, Amanda Moyer will be joining us from the CNN Radio Center in Los Angeles. Also, CNN Radio correspondent. What did I say? Los Angeles from uh, CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. From Los Angeles, though, Jim Roop will be here uh, to talk about the, the Octomom, who I guess like six of the eight kids are home, but but then they busted a bunch of people to hospital for rooting around inside her medical records, um, which I would think the, just the, happens all the time. The Shamwa guy kind of knocked her out of the headlines. Yeah, he, he, she really became last week's news, but uh, but I think she's making a big play for the headlines again today. So uh, we'll do that. We'll talk. I've uh, sound from this this hideous Osborne's Reloaded program, which airs tonight. Which, by the way, I've already programmed my TiVo to record because it looks just so mind-numbingly awful uh, that I feel it is sort of like my cultural duty to watch it. So we'll get to that and uh, your phone calls as well. Oh, and have you heard the um um. Have you heard the, the new that Mac versus PC ad that's playing? No, I have not. I think there's a radio version and there's a TV version as well. And it's an ad being run by Microsoft it's targeting people who are undecided about what kind of laptop to buy. Oh, I was decided a long time ago. Yeah, no, I, I know. It's, it's great, though, because it captures that essence of smug that really only Apple can usually get right. It's an ad being run by Microsoft trying to push people to buy Windows laptops. Um, and, you know, there's that, that sort of ultra-refined uh, tone of snark that Macintosh just has down to just, just a fine science. But I think Microsoft is re- making a real, uh, they're making a big play for that. So we have that coming up today, and I have, I typically don't ever play things like this, but it, it's this pranking that happened to a television station in, I believe, Tennessee. I guess it wouldn't be Tennessee because it, it starts with K, it's KTVO. 
All right, with KTVO be, Tim? Do you have any idea? No idea, no. All right, well, I'm not a given. So the radio station KTVO, and they do these sort of on-air birthday greetings. You know, where it's like where Rubes can write in on a postcard. With, I'd like you to wish a happy 91st birthday to my grandmother. And then they will sit there and they'll block out about five minutes in their morning television program. And they'll read birthday greetings to all of the hicks in their community. So there's... You really have to admire just the depth and breadth and width and girth of the pranking that happened to them. And I've got the, the audio of it. I had to clean it up a little bit for the air, unfortunately. But... Uh, so we'll get to that as well. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification on this Tuesday. Well, you knew this is going to happen sooner or later. Two teenagers from the coast are accused of sexting. That's putting an erotic act on a cell phone involving an underage girl for the world to see. Is this the thing they were talking about on KGW last night? Yes. So because uh, Laura was watching, she was watching Oprah yesterday, which I guess was on KGW, and she was kind of skipping through, and there was an ad, and she. It's that moment where you realize just because because we do this job as opposed to, I don't know, is it the selling insurance or something for a living? Do you ever realize the number of things that you know or have heard of that probably the average, I mean, like the average person, you know, I think probably takes a little bit longer to get up to speed on all of the weird news that's going on just because we're, we're sort of saturated with it every single day. We kind of soak in the news. And so you realize... That it's almost impossible for people to surprise you with anything. Because I'll go home and Lara will say, did you hear the story about... And it's something that we talked about three or four days ago. So yesterday, Lara's watching uh, Oprah. And I'm there doing whatever. And it's... Um, and first of all, it was that the, the Oprah show yesterday was pretty great. And I, I don't ever say that. But she was at that nutcase Mormon compound in Texas where they had the sex temple and the... the the guys who built the, uh, you know, the big granite temple where they were, uh, you know, they were, whatever, being, being matched in, in holy celestial matrimony with like 15-year-olds. So Oprah was there interviewing all these, you know, these girls that are still there. But they were doing the local spots, and it was the ads for the KGW News. And they showed a pair of obviously teenage hands sort of texting away on a cell phone with the, you know, with the thumbs. And the guy said, I forget who it was that was doing the report on it, but the guy said, it's something your teenagers may be doing, and it will shock you. And Lara kind of paused the TiVo for a second, and I think she was trying to quiz me. She goes, what do you suppose it is? And without even looking up my laptop, I just said, sexting. And I just kept typing away. And she said, what? And I said, it's sexting. Kids are sexting these days. It's all, it's all the rage. They love to sext. And, I started, and then she hit play, and of course the guy said, it's sexting, and we'll talk about it. And then she, then there was this whole awkward conversation that ensued where she wanted to know why and what sexting was. And I had to explain that it's uh, it's the way that today's young people amuse themselves. I'm sorry, go ahead. A father and son beating and robbing team who left the skier for dead and were captured in Mexico have been brought back to Skimania County to face justice. Cigarettes are about to go up a dollar a pack, and people will pay it. They just did. Well, they're going to do it again. I thought that there was... um. I thought that they passed the, uh, some sort of a thing where the taxes went up once every year. Like, didn't it go up January 1st? And no, they then just that's went it? up like, um, like le- probably a month or two ago, like a month and a half ago. Well, they just haven't gone up enough. Well, then who raises the taxes on cigarettes? Is that, it's the state government, it it's not the, the federal government. It can be the federal government also. Oh, all right. A furious wife has called in divorce lawyers after spotting her husband's car parked outside the home of another woman on Google. <laughs> The federal government will now stand behind the warranty of your new GM or Chrysler, like you're going to buy one. No, you should buy one. Uh, Chrysler will get 30 days to be taken over by Fiat if they want a government bailout. GM will get 60 days and a little more money to get their act together if that is possible. 
Alcohol-fueled brawls break out, this time between laid-off workers and a Michigan car lot. We have the video on my website also. Please avoid eating pistachios. And the ShareMob guy is a renegade Scientologist. Fantastic. It's the best day ever. We've only just begun. It's 503-733-2970. We are joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. How was your bowling night? It uh, was good. We placed fourth. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you for victorious. Who won? Um, oh, actually, Scott Tom and all those guys from uh, Clear Channel. Isn't it just Scott Tom, though? Then we figure out it's just him and then yes. just like some people he picked up at a bus station. Maybe we can separate him into two people, Scott in the morning and Tom in the afternoon. Yeah, because I mean, it's just like it's he's the only guy from actually from Clear Channel. Yeah, and right? then he had a, a couple of ringers in there with him. They're, mm. They were unstoppable. All right. Well, I'm sorry. No, you, that's okay. Who else beat you? So you were fourth. What other, this is the media bowling league. So, so who actually, was second uh, and third? The KUFO team beat us. Really? It. Oh, yeah. well, that's Bridget and uh, whoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh,. I don't know, these snobby music people. I don't know. I I, I don't know where they're from. They're By from... snobby music people, do you mean K&RK? No. Oh, no, I just K&RK. assumed. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> that was no, just the way my mind automatically finished that sentence. No, they're a music uh, distribution company that we were playing. Oh, well, whatever. And Richie brought in your socks this morning. He did, yes, because I was wearing a skirt because I actually went to uh, that filming of Storm Large's music video. Oh, that's right, yeah. And so I had to wear, so I was wearing tights because I was wearing a skirt, so I had to bring socks with me to wear because, you know, they're like gross bowling shoes. And I left them there, so Richie brought them. There's way too many things going on. At least he didn't try to sell them online. So a whole lot, the best of your knowledge. At least he wasn't scraping your DNA off of them so he can clone you later oh. in the privacy of his basement laboratory, God, which he almost certainly has. Ah, <laughs> fantastic. And you are resplendent in, uh, in your Saved by the Bell shirt today. Yes. Well done. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. It's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a wonderful day. I can just uh, I, I can feel sense it as it. well. All right, so uh, I should just get to this. We have a uh, we'll be announcing this throughout the day as well as tomorrow. Um, so this coming Thursday, which would be what the second, the first, the hell day is the is second. It's okay, second. So just so I can forestall any like, is this a wacky DJ uh, prank or whatever? It just incidentally, so that if you are if you are a new listener to the program, I should say that don't anticipate anything for tomorrow. The way that we uh, the way that we sort of uh, surprise people on April first is by not doing a retarded radio prank. So let's just just disabuse yourselves of that notion right now. Uh, Thursday, on this very fine radio program, the Rick Emerson Show, uh, we will be joined in studio, and I am not making this up. We will be joined in studio by Bo Breedlove <laughs> this coming Thursday. Which is a really a thing that I never thought I would be saying out loud. Can I post this on my blog? Uh, yes, you can. It, has, uh, it is actually confirmed. Okay, I'm going to, it's too. It's confirmed that it is actually official as of now. So joining us on the Rick Emerson Show this Thursday, that is the day after tomorrow, uh, mi amigos, uh, Bo Breedlove, as featured on the cover of the new Unzipped magazine. <laughs> uh, he will be sitting in this chair to my immediate right. That is this coming Thursday. Tell you, friends! So we'll be talking more about that as today goes on and, and tomorrow as well. So that is this Thursday, April 2nd. Bo Breedlove uh, will be here in the studio. It's all very exciting. That just doesn't even seem real. It doesn't, mm-hmm. actually. And, and when I sort of got it confirmed yesterday, it was kind of one of those things where I, we, you know, they got it, I got the final phone call that it was, we were good and it was locked. And then I went and I sat in my office for a while and I just sort of stared into space for like five minutes before I even, you know, before I even sort of started to write notes to myself about it. Because it didn't even, it didn't really, it seemed like a thing that I might have just been sort of daydreaming after not enough sleep. Anyway, so there you go. It's 503-733-2970. And a bunch of other stuff to get to, uh, but we'll we'll kind of get caught up here. We have uh, Jim Roop who's going to join us here in a bit. We'll have more news from Tim Riley. We should say that we have a Geek Watch coming up today, uh, Snuff Watch coming up today, and 
I think we probably don't want to tease anything any more than that because it, who knows if we're even going to get to it. So, uh, well, breed love is enough. It really, I mean, that's it. I mean, what, what else can you ask for? It? Except that I'm going to be taping that Osborne show tonight because it just seems like the worst thing ever. It just seems unbelievably bad. I have to tell you, you can find this on YouTube, by the way. If you go, uh, if you put in "Littlest Osborns," because I think Fox News or Fox News, Fox Television themselves actually put this up to promote the show. Where it is these kind of eight and nine year olds. It's like that thing. It's like the little rascals or whatever used to do, where they would have like Spanky and Darla or whoever, and they would be pretending to be W. C. Fields and Mae West, which is just altogether disturbing. But it's like that. But it's these kids pretending to be Ozzy and Sharon Osbourne, and so that's part of this Osbourne's Reloaded thing tonight, which isn't even like a variety show. See, I thought it was like, I thought it was going to be like that Rosie O'Donnell thing that they that was on TV six, seven, eight months ago. But it's not. I think it's. I think it's sort of like a weird, candid camera meets sketch comedy thing, but starring Ozzy Osbourne, which is a thing that I never would have believed if you, you know, if you told me that when I was like 15. I, I would have disputed that such a thing would ever have come to pass. Yeah, I'm just watching this without sound right now. That looks terrible. It's just, it just makes me sad for all humanity. It really does make me embarrassed to be a human. There's just no getting around that. It's like if you had told me, uh, what, you know, in 1989 that Easy e was going to be at that dinner, uh, you know, for the Republican Party. It just didn't make any sense at all. It's all very surreal. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970, and, uh, and this is all true. And I'm just going to get this embarrassing detail out of the way right now. Yes. Uh, that at some point today I may have to uh, – I won't stop the show to take a call, but it, it's, at some point if I get distracted, I have my phone with me, and I usually leave my phone in my office. But I may actually have to, at one point, check to see if somebody's calling me because my wife took our dog Philo to a dog daycare place today because he's just all skittish and he's afraid of everything. And Well, you've seen him. Uh, yeah. You know, we take him outside and it's just that Sarah was over at my house one time and I was taking my new dog Philo for a walk and he's just so terrified of just everything on earth. I mean, the classic Philo story is we were sort of walking him down the street, and at one point a dry leaf blew by him on the sidewalk, and he about Quite literally, just the, a leaf. <laughs> yeah, just a, just a leaf actually just blew by in the breeze, and he leapt uh, about four feet to the right because he was just so unholy terrified of it. So we're taking him, we're going to enroll him in a dog daycare place just so he can get used to being around... Just so we can get used to, you know, to, uh, you know, to sort of external stimuli, because all he did, you know, because he's just sort of with us. He's just with me and Lara and Max, our other dog. So we're enrolling him in a dog daycare place. But I didn't realize this. Apparently, when you do that, you have to take them to the dog daycare place, and they would then assess him to decide if he's even normal enough to actually stay there, because they won't take dogs that are too aggressive, but they also won't take dogs that are too afraid of everything, because then I guess that you know they're afraid that then it triggers aggression in other dogs. So they're going to do a whole test for him today, and there may be this. So they may or may not even accept him. So if they won't accept him, then there's going to be. Then it's like your kid not getting into you know a private school or something. Oh. Then it's like Ari. Then it's like whole that episode of Entourage where Ari Gold's kid. And you're going to take it personally, even school. though it's not your fault. No, I will take it personally. And also, if they won't accept, but it's like then what do I do with him? Like if he's too weird for even a dog daycare to take, it's like what is my option then? Then it's like he'll I, pass. It's not that hard. I had to do it with my dog too. Really? So I they, took him to a place in Southeast. So they don't. So do you feel like this is just a thing they do to sort of keep up the illusion that they have standards? Like they're not really gonna they're not really gonna grill him all that hard about anything. I don't think they'll deny your money. I'm right. just yeah, I'm just saying because that would just be embarrassing if my dog was too ill-mannered to even be taken into a oh, dog. Oh, Philo isn't ill-mannered. He's but, just more nervous. But you know what I mean? They but that's the thing. Like if, if they thought he was just too twitchy and neurotic mm-hmm. uh, to be accepted. Then I don't think so though, because he doesn't like freak out and snap and try to bite people. He just cowers. No, he I mean, just, that doesn't really th- threaten anybody. He just cowers and vibrates uncontrollably in a corner. And he's the strangest, cutest dog. Not a dachshund, though. 
I got to get a photo of him posted uh, just so you can see how much he's not a dachshund, which is what they claimed he was at the shelter, by the way. All right, we should take a break before I keep talking about my dog anymore. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Hey, you know, I've, here's a little uh, a DJ thing. There was actually no notation there about whether it was a cold ending or a fade ending or a cold fade ending. So I just decided to turn on the microphone and begin speaking. And here we are. It's 503-733-2970. It is Tuesday morning. Still to come, Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles. Uh, later on, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer. We have today's top five coming up. Uh, Don Taylor from Cinematical. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. And this is Tim Riley at the News Desk. In the news with Tim Riley. It's our newest epidemic. As far as the teenage set goes, it's called sexting. A man and two teens face possible prison time in this scandal. This happened in the beautiful coastal town of Newport. They're accused of sexting. 30-year-old Dave Simpson and two teens face years behind bars in connection with a cell phone video of a teenage girl at a sex act. It happened last spring at a vacation rental, a night of binge drinking that went too far. According to the story, Simpson forced his dog to perform an act. Uh, All right, well, let's stop for a second. I think this is not what the media traditionally is talking about when they're talking about sexting. Mm -hmm. Because doesn't the word sexting imply text messages? Yes, well, this happens afterwards. This is... (laughs) Wow. It's a text message saying... I, I don't even understand. So what is it? There's what is it we're picture, talking about here? So it's a sexual... well. This is just this is just like kitty porn that we're talking about. This isn't actually this isn't sexting. I think. I think this is just well, this making is re- child pornography. Recording it on a cell phone. Oh, I see. So it's just so it's because it's on a camera. Yes. Yes. I think this is the media themselves not understanding uh, what the term means. So the girl herself, according to the according to this story, allegedly, allegedly, and I'm reading this as a news story, mind you. According to the detectives, which are policemen, she did it because it was funny. Then she allegedly shared it with an 18-year-old named Jesse who sent it to some friends. And it says here, quote, She handled it really well, but because of the situation, I think she had some problems, said the girl's principal. I'm so unclear about this. So this... So this is, how old is the girl, the, the, the sort of victim? Oh, that's old enough to know better. Yes, yeah, seriously. I mean, it, and the guy is, uh, the guy is how old? 30? Yes, and two teenage boys. All right. So it's a 30-year-old guy, two teenage boys, the 17-year-old girl, and a dog. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the beginning to uh, some sort of a joke into which we would also then insert a rabbi and a priest and two guys named Ted. And so there's all of this whatnot happening on the camera She's she's filming it with her camera, and then she sends it to a friend. That's correct. Who it then does. sends it to to other people, another who, friend, to other people, friend. and then suddenly everybody. That's the way it goes with a, kids these days. That's how it goes, Tim. Mm. Well, that's not at all. Okay. Well, now well now it does seem sort of uh, now it does seem sort of weird. Yesterday that I told Laura, I know I know all about that, baby. Um, I thought they were just talking about like when you, when it's like some you know like some kid in high school. Uh, like I think a, you're hot. Check one. Exactly. Except it's not like I think you're hot. You know, but it's it's some sort of crude variation on that. Uh, that he you know that you're messaging some other like some some chick at your high school with. I sort of thought that's what it was. I thought it was just a variation on the um, you know a variation on uh, racy letters and emails that kids would send back to each other. Yeah, that's a that's from a whole different plane of plane of the human spectrum. All right, here's Tim Riley. That father and son beating and stealing team who beat the uh, cross-country skier left for Dan in the woods back in the U.S. after authorities tracked them down to Mexico, thanks to America's Most Wanted. 
33-year-old Michael David Collins and his 16-year-old son, Tevin, have been on the run for several weeks. They were finally captured and flown back here, and they're in Scamandia County to finally face charges. Electrical worker used the mandatory CPR training hat on the job to save the life of a grocery store shopper before heading to work. Bob Myers spends his uh, time switching devices for PGE. He was in a store when somebody came over the intercom and said that they needed help. They had a gentleman who uh, had a blocked air passage. His heart was beating, blood flowing, and they didn't know what to do until paramedics arrived. So they went on the intercom and asked if anybody knew what to do, and they did. Does anybody in this room know CPR? I do. Really? Yes. Why do you know CPR? Did you have to learn that for something? Um, a friend of mine needed a CPR training partner. Okay, and so there was like, is this where, the, did they give you the Recessiani doll or whatever? Did you get the that cool plastic works. mannequin thing? Yeah, it, doesn't, it didn't work, but I got a card anyway. <laughs> I tried bending its head. I, I, I almost broke its back trying to open up its air passage, but I, I got a card. You don't want to do that, too. So you really That's, don't know CPR, yeah, you just have I a card. You know how to break your spine, apparently, though. The, and it's the second time that the doll did not work for me. We need someone here to cause vertebral injury. Does anyone know how to do that, but Jim? I, I, yes, I, I do. I can snap anybody's neck and break some vertebrae if I need to. I do have a card. Really? Does it say that on it? Does, does it can you also repel inside a window and save a family with Steven Seagal? Probably. Right. The Recessiani doll is sort, of, is sort of creepy and fascinating. My mom brought one of those home at one point because she was, when she was renewing her nursing license, I think, when I was a kid, she had to, uh, you know, part of that was learning CPR. And... It's kind of it was weird though because it has that whole thing where when you breathe into it, like the chest kind of expands and everything, and it's it was it was kind of it was alternately uh, fascinating and horrifying, uh, you know, when you, as like a nine year old because it is it is sort of like lifelike in some ways. But I will say this, and we'll talk to uh, Jim Roop in Los Angeles. Two things: one, I have no idea how to perform CPR. I don't think I've ever taken a CPR class in my life. But because of the exposure to that act in billions of television shows and movies, I'm under the impression that I could probably do it if I had to. And the end, and of course, I probably couldn't. I mean, I would probably, I wouldn't break your uh, spine, but I'd probably just break your ribs. Because don't you get the idea? You're supposed to just put your hand in the middle of your chest and go like, Cool! It makes a clunk, clunk, clunk noise. See, and the worst thing that somebody told me, uh, I was told once, I think when I was maybe 12 or 13 in some sort of a science class, I heard just this passing remark that, well, you know you're doing it right when you snap one of their ribs. Oh, God. And I don't even know if that's true, but I choose to believe that it's true because it makes the whole thing sort of darkly amusing. Um, secondly... And um, Jim Roop from Los Angeles, you, of course, uh, are familiar with the television show MASH. Yes. Do you believe that you could probably perform an emergency uh, tracheotomy with a pair of scissors and a ballpoint pen because of that episode where Radar did that to somebody? Uh, yeah, but I would do it with a, the pocket knife that I constantly carry. Oh, yeah, no, there you go. See, and I think, in fact, I think he did use a pocket knife because I think the only scissors he had were those kind of blunt, the rounded ones that they give the kids. And so I think he ended up using a Tom Mix pocket knife that he sterilized with like a bottle of whiskey that they always seem to have around. <laughs> and then he cut the guy's throat and then he took the ballpoint pen uh, tube and he stuck it into the guy's uh, trachea or, or windpipe or whatever it was. Yeah, you know, I saw that done once. And the, the trouble that was, uh, the trouble that occurred was when they were trying to put the, it wasn't a ballpoint pen, it was something else. But, uh, but it, they couldn't, it was hard to get it into the, actually into the trachea because the skin kept closing up or whatever it was kept closing up. Because I think they said, yeah, I think they actually said that at the end of that episode where like he puts the ballpoint pen thing in and, and he says, uh, he goes, well, his throat is closing up. And then Colonel Potter says, son, you've done a good job. Horse pucky or whatever it was. <laughs> it's some homespun phrase that he was always ending sentences with. So, I, I, you know, at some point there should be 
I mean, it seems strange that we haven't gotten a, a news story about this, about somebody who has done something or saved somebody's life based on some sort of knowledge that he gleaned from a television sitcom. That does seem inevitable with the, the uh, media saturation. Well, there are people that that uh, that have credited television for their response in trying to do CPR or in saving, pulling somebody out of a pool or something. There have been people that say, well, I learned that from... You know, I think maybe even MASH was cited. I think, or, or, or ER or something like that. Here's the uh, here's the other thing that I want to know. Somebody ought to go through uh, television shows from like the 70s or the 80s and try to determine because the, there was this sort of like pseudoscience that was all always peddled to us uh, on some of those programs. For example, The Incredible Hulk, and it started off with uh, you know Dr. Bruce Banner and he's uh, looking into the secret power that all humans have. And at the very beginning of the uh, Incredible Hulk show, he's interviewing that woman. And it's the story you always hear about the kid trapped in the burning car, and suddenly the mom finds the inner strength she never knew she possessed, but that was there all along, and she lifts the car off the kid. And so that's a thing that I want to see pursued by, like, the Mythbusters guys or something, if they haven't already. Well, it's, I, bet they, I bet they have. Move on. I'm not going to dwell on this pistachio thing because I don't eat them, and so therefore it doesn't affect me. I'm going to ask you about the, octop, uh, the octuplets, though, because the, so the octomom... eat them? <laughs> because they're tasty, Sarah. Especially when they're sprinkled with jalapeno. You know the thing about that. Real quick on the pistachio thing. I, you know, I I had to go to Atlanta last week, and flying back on Friday, I ate a whole big bag of trail mix with a bunch of with a bunch of pistachios in it. And now I'm going. And this recall, they, they alerted the salmonella um, finding back on March 24th. So right. For all I know, I could have been sitting on the toilet all weekend, but I apparently <laughs> apparently passed by that particular that particular batch of pistachios. But I mean, don't you just, is that the, that's the thing where like, you probably don't even want to know. You know what I mean? Like if you ate some sort of infected batch of pistachios, it's like, you know what, at this point, you, you, you know, whatever, whatever's going to happen has either happened or not. Yeah. I mean, so. if, it's, if it results in me spending the weekend, you know, in the bathroom, that's more rest than I would have gotten anyway. Yeah, I mean, there you go. At least you have an excuse to remain stationary for a while. So Grab, I mean, hand me the on. paper, honey. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. Why are pistachios always covered with that, uh, that stuff that, that, that turns the tips of your fingers, various colors? I don't know. But, I mean, you know what? It's like Cheeto dust. We had this whole conversation. Green, while, though? Uh, well, it's green and sometimes red. Aren't there red pistachios, too, and then your hands are just permanently stained? I've only seen the green ones. We had this discussion with somebody a while back about Cheetos because it was my theory that in 2009 they really ought to be able to make Cheetos that don't turn your hands bright orange. There's no reason. I mean, if they can make newspapers where the ink doesn't come off and turn your fingertips black, it seems like they can make a snack food. It doesn't uh, make your hands glow. <laughs> I mean, it just seems like it, it Why seems. Why get the Frito Lay people on the phone? It seems like something they ought to have worked past at this juncture. I mean, it can't just be planned obsolescence or something. Send the man of the moon. You know? Well, anyway, there's no priorities in this country. Um, just real quickly before we talk about the medical record thing, so how many of the the Octo kids are home with the mom? Uh, there are two still in intensive care, and I think two more just trying to gain some weight. I think there are four of the eight home. And four remain in the hospital. All right. And so then they busted all these people who were kind of rooting around in the mom's medical files, which, you know, you don't want to excuse, but I just assume that that happens all the time. I mean, if you worked at a hospital in, in anywhere in Los Angeles, anywhere near Hollywood, I think you figured that's how you just pass the, all the off hours on the graveyard shift is you sit there and Spears, comma, especially Brittany. There's, yeah. There's, especially if there's a high-profile patient. Yeah. I would think that they would. But, you know, even even uh, Jeffrey Check, who is the uh, attorney for Suleiman, said that, you know, they're probably just searching for the donor. And, you know, it's not like there's anything that hasn't been released already right. in these medical records. So 
Right now, she has no plans to sue. But I would imagine at some point, if the hospital doesn't say, look, we're sorry for your trouble, here's $10,000. If they don't offer her something, I'll bet you a dollar to a donut, man, she goes ahead and sues them. I was going to say, it doesn't really seem like she's uh, the kind to turn down a dime or a quarter if she can find it every now and again. So, hey, whatever happened to our friend uh, uh, Gloria Allred? She was uh, kind of flapping her wings and screeching on uh, television for a while last on. week. She's still there. I, I, she was on, uh, I think, yesterday, an episode of Dr. Phil. Of course she was. Uh, Suleiman's attorney, all about the angels in waiting firing and all of that. Do you suppose that Gloria Allred uh, sleeps, or does she just spend like an hour uh, somewhere in like one of those like hyperbaric uh, chambers or whatever it is, like Michael Jackson had? Doesn't really seem like she could be getting all this stuff done and still be having uh, the you know the uh, the body cycle of a normal human being. <laughs> well, yeah, honestly, I think as she sleeps, she barks in her sleep. <laughs> Like a like a dog barks in its sleep. She thinks she's chasing ambulances or something. I, it, I that's how I picture her going. I'm just picturing her like in you know like in the, like in the, the Empire Strikes Back where they you know the guy comes into the room and then you just see Darth Vader from the back and he's inside that big black egg thing and there's like the, the <laughs> it's like putting the helmet back down into her after she's been given some sort of an industrial sits bath. We have another case. Exactly. Or she just, or she kind of floats there like a tank filled with amniotic fluid, you know, and just, uh, you know, and sort of tubing uh, running into her you know, until there's, yeah, as you said, there's some sort of a, you know, there's any sort of an accident somewhere, anything in which she thinks she might be able to get any kind of media attention. And her daughter runs in and presses a button and immediately just uh, flushes her down into the bat cave already dressed. I do like her, though. I mean, I do. I, I like her because, number one, I mean, she's, she's a soundbite. She, I mean, if I need anything, if it's a slow day, Allred's working on something. She'll give me, she'll give me some sound from. But also, she, you know, she kind of takes on the, the case of the common man, you know, uh, to a degree. I've actually thought about just emailing her and just saying, look, uh, can I just start putting away money now to have you represent me for something in the future? I don't even know what it is. I don't know what I don't know what I'll need you for, but it, it, clearly there will be there will come some case, you know, where I need a lawyer, and I would just like to just start, you know, just sticking some cash in an account somewhere so I can use I you for that. I don't think you need to save any money for her. I think she'll find someone to sue on your behalf. I mean, imagine if you just brought Gloria Allred into your contract negotiation with your company. You know what I mean? Um, okay, well, Mr. Just walking in the room. Okay, you got anything you want? You know, there's, you know, there's less moon vest on one side of the table, and the other side there's me with Gloria Allred. I mean, I think I think you'd probably walk out of there owning the company. I mean, <laughs> so. All right. Yeah, I think so. On that note, all right, my friend, enjoy your Southern California day. We will talk to you soon. Thank you, boss. There you go. CNN Radio correspondent Jim Ruth. By the way, somebody has noted here: to do CPR properly, you must put enough pressure on the heart that you break ribs. And then he says, "Love the new show." All right, thanks so much. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Tim Riley ahead with more news. Later on, Don Taylor from Cinematical. Uh, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. And Lisa Lampanelli tickets. Stay there. That never gets old. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is Tuesday morning. And good morning to ye. It is uh, 503-733-2970. Still to come today, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. It's impossible to overstate how much this ShamWow hooker girl looks like Andy Serkis as Gollum. Like, sort of, maybe at the midway point between Gollum and Smeagol. Like maybe, I don't know. Like, like, just as the skin's turning to turn sort of a mottled gray, but before all the hair falls out. What else? Wait. Also, there's also somebody else. So it's Gollum, and it's a little bit of, um... It's Gollum, and it's a little bit of uh, Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th 2 as portrayed by Warrington Gillette. 
All right, you can write that down. I'm the first one to say that. It's 503-733-2970. Also today, uh, the top five. The top five artists undoubtedly loved by your best friend's bitchy girlfriend. Also, your chance at Lisa Lampanelli tickets. And I'll play this uh, sound from uh, television station KTVO. This, at the news desk, is Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. We have so much news today. First, this just in. Ford, which is not asking for bailout money, says it'll offer payments of up to $700 each month. If you buy a car, all of a sudden you lose your job. So that's a little incentive. Hyundai is also offering a deal that allows you to return a vehicle within a year if you can't make the payment due to a job loss or a now, disability. They rolled that out, I think, right around uh, the first of the year, Hyundai started doing that. Which actually, and you know, here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm not planning to buy a new car at this point because I got a car and it works. So, it's, I'm gonna, you know what it is? It, it, call me lame, call me uninteresting. I'm going to drive it till it stops working. Then I'll get a new one. But when that Hyundai thing came out, we saw it on, I don't even think it was an ad. I think it was actually... I mean, the press release that Hyundai did in January sort of had the desired effect because Anderson Cooper or somebody was kind of covering, you know, c- covering this offer they were making, which is obviously what Hyundai wanted. But, um, but Anderson Cooper was doing the whole story on it, and he said, and the Hyundai uh, Auto Company is offering to accept the car after, you know, up to one year later if you, you know, if you decide that you can't afford it or whatever. And immediately, and I were like, I don't know, maybe the time is right to buy a new Hyundai. So. There is something to be said for that as a as a marketing tool, and the Ford thing is that they will make your payments up to seven hundred dollars, and uh, for how long? If you lose a job, I mean, but I mean, for what length of time? That wouldn't ju- that couldn't just be forever. There must be some sort of limitation on how long they do that. For up to a year. So they would on any new Ford, Lincoln, or Mercury. That's pretty mm-hmm. impressive, actually. That's like you know, that's like nine grand or something. But you do have to buy now because the offer runs out June first. Oh, I see. So, it's a, but if you so if you buy it by June, then but for the for a twelve month period, mm-hmm. they would cover your expenses. Right. Well. Uh, so the other stuff, the federal government will now stand behind the warranty of your new GM or Chrysler. You'll also get tax credits if you buy one of their cars. It's called cash for clunkers. If, if you trade in an old car, buy an energy-efficient one. Now, Chrysler itself is getting 30 days to be taken over by Fiat if they want more of a government bailout. GM gets 60 days and a little more money to get their act together if that is possible. So this is where the government is now, because of all the money they've already given GM. So there's two things. One is that the Obama administration told, what's his name, uh, that Wagner guy who was the yeah. CEO, they told him to get bent. Right. Because it was a condition of him, he had to leave for the company to get more money, right? Mm-hmm. It was a condition of them getting further bailout uh, cash. But what is the deal with the government owning part of GM? So how does that even, how does that even work? Uh, for example... If the government, as they seem to, if they own General Motors, that doesn't, does that cover past warranties, or is it just like if you buy a car New now, ones. they'll cover New it? New ones. Also, I had this question for Lara last night. How does that affect, because GM's a publicly traded company, un, unlike Chrysler, right? So how does that affect, like, if you own stock? If, can the stockholders just tell the government what to do now? If the government owns that, a big that's chunk... That's a good question. I don't know that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I would be curious to, to know that if... If the government owns a sizable portion, and I don't know what portion it is, but it's not, I mean, $6 billion seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think Michael Moore at one point was speculating that the, 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 you could buy all of General Motors for not too much more than the government was giving them in terms of bailout money. So if the government owns a huge chunk of General Motors, and General Motors is a publicly traded company in turn controlled by its stockholders, can the stockholders then dictate the behavior of the Obama administration, who are the company's board, in effect? It's all very confusing, made more so by the fact that I'm kind of a retard and don't understand how money works. So, you know, I've got that working against me.
But, but I, I think a, a, a lot of people don't know what's going on, even the administration, so they're kind of playing it by ear. Uh, then we have this uh, interesting YouTube video that's popping up everywhere. It's on my website, too, at RiseOfLive.com. They closed down this car dealership in Michigan, where all bad things happen. So everybody decides to go out and uh, hit the bottle. And then they come back to the dealership and start beating each other up on camera when a local TV station is there. It doesn't really matter how hard that you work, because there's always somebody a little bit above you that has the right to control every decision, every ounce of energy that you put forward effort to. Don't you have the right to be a little bit mad when somebody says, hey, we're all done? Terrible. It's horrible. So they beat each other up in the parking lot. And this is the uh, and this is where they get into the slugfest yeah. because they've all been because they've been laid off there. So, and by the way, I should say that right below that you've got a truly unnerving photo on your website that looks like <laughs> I think I described him as being a hillbilly clown without makeup. You know what he looks like? He looks like that guy from House of a Thousand Corpses. If I'm thinking of the right Rob Zombie movie, but like if you were to hose all the makeup off of his face, you know what I mean? Like some sort of e- evil banjo twanging bozo. Uh, so this is the, uh... That's the guy that broke into his son's house, tried to steal a dog, and because he got caught in the act, he threatened to burn his son's house down. Yeah. And then, and then below that is the, uh, is the, is the ShamWow hooker girl, who, it, I, I just can't overstate how unpleasant she looks in these. I mean, I can't imagine, imagine, I mean, even in tip-top shape, you wouldn't pay $1,000 for this woman. Speaking of the ShamWow guy, he is a renegade ex-Scientologist. It was back in, uh, let's see, the early 80s. They financed this movie that didn't go well. Everybody has the movie that didn't go well and bankrupts them. So uh, they start bad-mouthing him, and then they try to kick him out. So he ends up at uh, Swap Meats in L.A. selling these vegetable chopping machines. Really? And apparently he fought his way back up the ladder. So that's interesting. So he was so this one like they had the vegetable like the slap chop thing already in existence and they went and like he just got the you know, he passed the audition to become the spokesman. Like this was a thing he was already doing. Right. He was doing something like this. He was selling this stuff and apparently he had hired some people to sell it for him. And uh I guess he worked his way back up the ladder after he was beaten down by the Scientologist. And then back down the ladder, Tim. Mm-hmm. It's a pity he couldn't leave his hard scrabble ways behind. And that's the way it goes. All right. That's the uh, slap chop slash sham wow guy. We'll get caught up around the corner. We have more headlines from Tim Riley later on. Katie Darrell from TMZ. Uh, we'll also talk to Don Taylor from Cinematical. Lisa Lampanelli tickets and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The power broker, Sarah. She can make or break people in this town. Well, then we have to listen to her. The modern day head of Hopper. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming by. It is Tuesday morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's 503-733-2970 if you would like to join us. Coming up later on the day, Amanda Moyer from the CNN Radio Center in Los Angeles. And I don't... Uh, I keep saying in Los Angeles. CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm conflating her with Jim Roop. So I don't know if she's just talking about Gmail, but I know there's a bunch of... There's, the more and more email services that are rolling out something... It's yet another idea that I had uh, that I, you know, was uh, was really unable to properly execute. Because here's the thing: is because there's only one one Rick Emerson, and you know, someday science will help remedy that situation, and there'll be, uh, you know, I will be legion, I will be vast, I will contain multitudes, and I'll be able to sort of execute all these great ideas that I have. But right now, all I can really do is take my fanciful notions and I throw them out into the air, much like Charlotte with her children at the end of Charlotte's Web. And then other people have to uh, institute my ideas, and then we are richer for it. So really, I am still benefiting society in a great way. If you like. I mean, I, it really is a, it really is of demonstrable good uh, that I'm here in the world. But it, it, I had to come up with two ideas. One was 
the sort of undo button when you send email, or like you send an email and then you realize you didn't mean to, and you go, don't, and you hit the button and it comes back. Because it's always, ha- let me just say this, it's always happening at CBS Radio, first of all, because there's always some jackass street teamer that decides to respond to something, always with like a, like a lot of LOLs and OMGs in the middle of it, and then they do that thing where they CC the entire company up to and including like uh, Les Moonves, you know, and it goes everywhere, and then, you know, and then you realize it just makes everybody in the building look like a tool. So there's that. There's the being able to cancel an email before it actually leaves your outbox. Two... There's that anti-drunk dialing thing, which I've thought of a long time ago. And I, what it would be for the iPhone is that you would set certain numbers to have a drunk dialing flag next to them. And so if you're going to go out and do, if you're going to be out boozing it up or whatever, you just go through your uh, phone book, your contacts list, and you flag a whole bunch of numbers that you don't want to drunk dial later that night, like your, you know, like your ex-girlfriend or whatever. You check it off. And what? And then you set however long it's, you know, the window is. Like, okay, I'm going to be sober again in eight hours. So if it's nine o'clock at night, you say, okay, it's it's safe to dial this number again at like 5 a.m. And then between 9 p.m. and 5 a.m., if you are out, if you try to dial that number, you actually have to pass a dexterity test, where like mm-hmm. a little bouncing ball goes around the screen on the iPhone, and you have to follow it with your finger. It's like a drunk test by the side of the road keeps you from dialing it. Third thing. The escape, but the, I mean, and this is a thing I don't even I don't understand why this doesn't exist. Third technological innovation uh, that Rick Emerson has come up with, and by Rick Emerson I mean me, the host of this, the Rick Emerson Show. On the keyboard that you type on, the, the like on your Windows machine or whatever, that escape key up in the upper left hand corner, the escape button ought to just be like a big red stop button, and it stops whatever you just told the computer to do. Because how many times you go to launch some program or you go to click something, especially if you're on a slow machine. Uh, let me see. Let me just go to the desktop. No, oh, I started PowerPoint. Crap. And then you got to wait for the whole stupid program to load just so you can close it again. I can't tell you how many times I'm trying to go to, uh, like, I'm trying to open, uh, like, a browser or Firefox or just see the desktop, and I accidentally open Microsoft Word, which takes 15 minutes to fully execute, and then i got to close it down again. Yep, me too. That button, it ought to just cancel and undo whatever you just could. I don't care what it is. Whatever you just told the computer to do, it stops it right then and there. Also, get rid of the insert key. No reason for it to exist. I hate that because I accidentally hit it and or I'll start typing, typing it, over, all over your, it. Yeah, uh, there's no reason. Why is the insert? Let me ask you this. Why do you need that function? And I know that uh, certain people, and by certain people I mean Tim Riley, uh, don't deal with this because you got uh, like a Mac, but you work, but you use a Windows machine here at work at CBS. Oh, I know. It's like typing on a sewer grate, isn't it, Tim? It, it really. But I do have a laptop at home. Yeah, well, as do I. So Maybe I because I need it for my uh, accounting purposes. I go home and I uh, I enter a world of Macintosh smugness uh, at Casa de Emerson. But here, and for most of my life, I use the Windows machine. That insert button doesn't make any sense. What is the actual? If you're a technical person, I'd like to know the answer to this. By the way, what is the actual theoretical? application of that insert Yeah, button. it seems to serve no purpose. It doesn't, because if you want to type over something, you just highlight it with the mouse, and then you hit delete, or you highlight it with the mouse, and you start typing. Maybe it's for the future. Maybe. Like a lady could go online and order some dresses from her favorite store. No, so I it was loved much, to buy dresses. It was much more interesting before you And then you the bill that, goes right to her husband, who shakes his head. No, that doesn't sound so much like the future as it does like 1955. <laughs> also, your answer that maybe it's for the future, that was uh, kind of compelling it and fascinating. Think, didn't it? Yeah, but until then you said it, then it's for until you quantified the future as quote a place where women can buy dresses. Cuz I think that actually happens Online. now as well. That's not maybe as futuristic as some might think. 
So of those three ideas, uh, the big stop button on the keyboard, the undoing the email you've just sent uh, before it can do damage, or the drunk dialing, uh, one of those things has now been instituted in various email services. Uh, so Amanda Moyer will be uh, she'll be talking about that later on today. Katie Darrell from TMZ and more. Tim Riley's working on the following headlines on this Tuesday morning. Two teenagers from the coast are accused of sexting, putting an erotic act on a cell phone involving an underage girl. They could get them some prison time. That father and son beating and robbing team who left the skier for dead and stole his car, captured in Mexico, brought back to Scamini County to face justice. Cigarettes are going to go up another dollar a pack, you smokers. The federal government will now stand behind the warranty of the new car you buy from GM or Chrysler. You also get tax credits for cash for clunkers. Trade an old clunker, get a new energy-efficient one, get a tax credit. Chrysler will get 30 days to be taken over by Fiat if they want still another government bailout. GM, another story, they get 60 days, a little more time to get their act together. Alcohol-fueled brawls break out between layoff workers at a Michigan car lot. Please avoid eating pistachios. Done. And, and the ShamWow guy is a renegade Scientologist. There's too much here to process. And then I think we got an answer to the insert uh, question on the phones. But let's go back to the Chrysler thing for a second. I don't mean to keep harping on the auto industry here, but... If they're going to be taken over by, I don't understand this. If they, if they want more money, they got to be taken over by Fiat. If they're going to be taken over by Fiat, which is a successful car company, why do they then need more of my money? That's a good question. Yes, it is, Tim. Well, because nobody's buying Chryslers, and they need money at least till now what? until Fiat can. Come well, in you know what? F them. <laughs> nobody's buying Chrysler. You're tough luck, pal. Nobody's buying Chryslers, and they need money. That's great. You know, you know what we ought to do? We ought to start having a stimulus package for unattractive hookers, too. I don't know. Nobody wants to have sex with me. Well, but you'd better get a handout. Wouldn't, is that really the answer? I'm not accusing you of this, but I'm saying... They're just throwing a pity party for you, themselves. Exactly. Is that really the answer that I'm being given? What's their problem? Well, nobody wants to buy their crap. All right, well, that's Correct. wonderful. That's great. But, but, but the thing we have to understand here, because it doesn't affect us in this part of the country, but a whole swath of America, like at least a half dozen states, rely... On this industry, well, I you know I just the, the, the whole rust bucket or rust belt or whatever you want to call it, all those boring states mm-hmm. rely on this industry, this industry continuing to function on a daily basis. I mean, I look, know it's stupid. Well, no, I mean it's just like and look and don't get me wrong. I mean people make I mean, every company makes good cars, every company makes bad cars. Right. I've owned Chryslers in my life that were just fine. I've owned you know I right now I have a Ford, I have uh, my other cars a Toyota. I had a Chrysler with a push-button transmission. You know what? It, and you know, and as much as we were making fun of the K car the other day, growing up, spent a lot of my time riding around in a K car, fine automobile. But it just seems like, you know, you got to just figure out exactly what what models or whatever it is people want. You got to hew toward that, and if you don't. Then, well, I guess they're getting taken over by Fiat, right. and Fiat is taking them over because if Fiat has the money to buy the company, why doesn't Fiat have the money then to just solve the financial problem? You know what I mean? That is it. Well, like, if you got the money to buy Chrysler, why does Chrysler then need more cash? I wholeheartedly agree with that you. That makes no sense. Also, it appears to be a zero-sum game in that if it's going to take, like, let's say $5 billion to keep the auto industry afloat, and the government says, well, look, we got to give them $5 billion to keep everything functioning and afloat – well, the threat they always hold over is if we don't do that, then the whole auto industry is going to go bust, and that'll cost then you. Then the economy of at least a half dozen states will go down the drain with no immediate remedy for it. But I mean, there's it, no. It's, it's bribery. But honestly. isn't the same amount of money that we're paying either way? Yeah, you know what I mean? Likely. In other words, like we can either give the money to the government and give is a sort of elastic term. I can not scream quite so loudly when the government financially sodomizes <laughs> me, and they take it and they give it to the car company. 
or I can lose it when the car company goes out of business and then I have to pay for unemployment uh, for you know and then we have to and the, you know the country as a whole has to cover welfare and unemployment for folks. Right. That make any sense that, at all? That's the way it was in uh, Thatcher's Britain back in the old days. You know this is socialism, Tim. That's what this is. It's about damn time. The creeping red menace. Well, to make you feel better, the Osbournes' new primetime show premieres tonight on Fox. All right. Uh, uh, so, Richie, we're going to get caught up here. Can you screen these calls and kind of see who these uh, who these folks are? Maybe one of them has an answer to the insert key question. I mean, probably not, but it's possible. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Exactly. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thanks for coming by. It is Tuesday morning. It's 503-733-2970. Just ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer from... Atlanta, Georgia. Not so much Los Angeles as it is Atlanta. You can see where I'd make the mistake. Though. Later on, from Cinematical, Don Taylor, Katie Darrell from TMZ. Um, I've got this uh, this uh, audio from KTVO Television queued up. Now, this is from Ottumwa, Iowa, by the way, Radar O'Reilly's hometown. That's where this TV station is at. It is KTVO in Ottumwa. We'll get that in just one moment. Uh, we'll get these calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson uh, radio show. Hello there. Howdy. How are you, sir? I am stupendous, which is an interesting combination of the word stupid and tremendous. You know what I think about sometimes? I think about the word stupefaction, uh, which I, I believe just means to be sort of rendered almost inert or uh, it just dazed by, by shock or surprise. Another excellent use of the alphabet, I think. It really is. Uh, so you know what the insert key on the keyboard is for? Yeah, this is going to like instantly date me, but the only good thing about that is that it's only going to make me about as old as everybody else who understands what I say. Um, it used to be known as the insert slash overwrite key way back when before mice. Uh, there, you had the ability when working in a word processing program to either insert text, which meant that wherever the cursor was when you started typing, it would just insert the text and move everything ahead of the cursor over like we're all used to now. Or you used to be able to overwrite, which instead of taking your mouse and clicking and dragging and highlighting a bunch of text and then replacing it by beginning to type after you've highlighted it, it would literally overwrite the letter immediately in front of the cursor with whatever you type. All right, okay. So, they, so that actually makes sense because if it was before the graphical user interface, which is, again, the, the, the mouse where you sort of, you know, you can click something on the screen and move it around or drag it or highlight it when you had to do everything with keys, I guess. So this is just that they've never bothered to update, like, the PC keyboard over the last 20 years. I, I think maybe when they started making keyboards, they, like, way made way too many of these insert keys, so now they're just using them up. All right. All right. Fair enough. Hey, one final thing here. What is the uh, what is the pause break button on your keyboard? Because there's there's pause break and there's scroll lock. I don't know what scroll lock is either, frankly. They're they're you know I could uh, I could try to give you Reader's Digest versions and it still wouldn't satisfy your curiosity. All right. Uh, everybody, if you just don't like those keys on your keyboard. Literally pry them off and throw them away. If That's what I did at home. Much. I thought I was the only one. When I got my <laughs> keyboard, every single time I buy a new keyboard for the PC, I get a pair of pliers and I pull that insert key off and then I smash it with a hammer. Maybe what you could do is you could take a little whiteout and put it on there and then after the whiteout dries, write any on it. Then you'd have an any key. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. <laughs> oh, and just a final note about this. I'm not exaggerating when I say I smash it with a hammer. I pull it off with, pair, with a pair of pliers so that I can't accidentally type over all my text. Then I take it into the kitchen, and I put it on the little, like, breadboard thing that we've got, and I smash it with a hammer because that key has caused me so many problems over the years. It's, I'll just never forgive it. It's permanently in the enemy column with me. It's just, it, it, I, will never, I will never embrace that key. And so I destroy it with extreme prejudice. Also, the number lock key shouldn't ever turn off. There should be no, why would you ever need to turn off number lock? 
How many times do you ever think you're typing in a series of numbers with that little 10 keypad on your, on your PC keyboard? Then you look up at the screen, you've done nothing because the number lock was off. What is the point of that? When would you ever need to use any of those keys over on the number keypad for something else? The I answer never is, use the 10 key. Would, but I see, I do sometimes, though, because uh, I used to be... This will make me sound old. It's like, talking, it's like saying that I know how to like really speed through an abacus. Sarah, I used to be a whiz with the 10 key. Uh, because I worked in a radio automation system, which, and this is before the movie Sneakers, by the way, it was called uh, C-Tech Software, much like C-Tech Astronomy. But there was a very, very old, crusty-ass radio automation system called C-Tech, and I was the only one who really knew how to use uh, use it, and so I became the, the go- as happens at every radio station, there's a station, in every sort of building or every cluster of stations or every group of stations, there's always one that's largely or completely automated. And there is one person in the building who learns the automation system better than everybody else, and then they become the person who has to fix something every time it goes wrong, theoretically. And I became that guy. This is probably 20 years ago. and But it was all done with DOS, and it was all done with the 10 keypad. And so I was just like a – I was a – Blinding blur on the 10 key, which is a totally useless skill at this point. I can't impress chicks with that. I can't impress anybody with no, that. No, my friend Lisa works in um, like advertising and selling infomercials and stuff, and she uses the 10 key. That's really? She does. Yeah, she uses it constantly. Good for her. See, that's see, I find that kind of hot. Is this Lisa uh, yes. uh, tattooed, Lisa? Yes. Yeah. See, that's a, that's a sexy trade is what that is. Tim Riley's working on the following headlines for you on this Tuesday. The CIA is running ads to recruit new foreign agents. There are plenty of openings, apparently. The federal government will stand behind the warranty of your new GM or Chrysler. You also get tax credits if you trade in a clunker for a new energy-efficient one. Mm-hmm. Chrysler gets 30 days to be taken over by Fiat if they want a little more bailout money. GM gets 60 days because they don't do anything right. Please avoid eating pistachios. Airlines are slashing prices on summer flights. Cigarettes are going up. Portland's trying to lure tourists using Twitter. The Osbournes have a new primetime show premiering tonight on Fox. I should say as much as we make fun of Twitter when Jonathan Colton was here. Uh, at, uh, where did he perform at the Aladdin? Um, I don't know, maybe six, eight weeks ago or whatever. I did, in fact, go to Jonathan Colton's Twitter page, and I was watching him because he was Twittering all the way here, like from PDX in the car, and then I think on the way on the way back or whatever, because I wanted to see what he was saying about my hometown. It's 503-733-2970. Isn't a Fiat like a kingdom? Isn't that what a Fiat is? A Fiat is an Italian car. All right. Maybe Chrysler can be taken over by a uh, by a feudal system, to buy a fiefdom. Uh, coming up uh, after, well, we're going to talk to Amanda Moyer in like four seconds here. Uh, we've got somebody else. Who's got, okay, so now a guy knows what the pause break button is for in the keyboard. Also, apparently there is a community broadcasting class that can offer me, Rick Emerson, tips on how to become a better radio uh, broadcaster. We'll find out more about it. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Amanda Moyer, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you, Amanda? I'm well today. How are you? I am fantastic. On the scale of 1 to 7, I would say that I'm a solid 6.2. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. And I'm going to be like back at a 6.8, uh, uh, I would say probably within uh, three or four hours because I have tacos at home. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good day. Let me ask you this. Uh, this business of the undo send. We were talking about... Before we before we even get to that, let me ask you this. Do you have the same issue with the insert key on your keyboard at work? At CNN, are you on a Mac or are you on a PC? I'm on a PC. So do you ever hit that insert button, and then you look up and you realize you've typed over half your half your stuff? I do. I, I did it once when I was writing a live shot, and I was on a very tight deadline, and I <laughs> typed over like a whole sentence. And then you look up, and it's just that white-hot rage that there's really just there's not even any adjective sufficient to describe it. And at that moment, more than anything, you'll want to be able to reach through the keyboard and grab Bill Gates somehow and, and just demand. It's not even that I want him to fix it. 
it's like I just want to summon him and have him in front of me, South Park style, and just ask him, why? Why Why is this here? What is the purpose of this? So, I see no purpose, and you should at least be able to undo it, but you can't. You can only undo one letter. Yeah, that's thanks for that. I've, it, which is, doesn't make any sense if I've got, man, you know, if I've got a computer that has like an 80-gig hard drive, doesn't it seem like I ought to be able to move more than one sentence back in the document that I was typing? What is the point of telling me that I can keep 7,000 songs on my computer when, as you pointed out, I can only undo the letter, you know, the letter P in my document? It's just a world gone mad, Amanda. It is. All right. Well, uh, but on the on the technological front, so it just I'll read this straight off the prep sheet. It says, the next time you hit reply all instead of just reply or fire off a nasty email, you can undo it before anyone reads it. CNN's Amanda Moyer reports, there's a catch. You have to act fast. <laughs> Amanda? Well, that's true. Google is out with a new feature, and uh, you can undo emails that you sent, but you only have five seconds to do it. So... When I say that, I mean you send the email as normal, but you realize, let's say you realize that you made a mistake or you did something like that, reply all instead of just reply. There's a little link next to the send button that says undo send if you're a Gmail user, which comes from Google, and you can click on it, and that person will not get the email. See, that's pretty great, actually, because I think most of those mistakes are realized. Five seconds seems kind of short, but I think those mistakes are realized almost instantly. When you send an email that you regret, you send, oh, crap, and it, 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 suddenly that's, you know, it, it all washes over you in a wave of anxiety and fear. Exactly, and it's, it's those people who hit reply all instead of reply, or, they, or an e-missile that you shut off to your boss that you didn't want to. You know you did it in a second or two, sure. and that's why. And I, I actually asked the, the group product manager at Google, and he said if users were given longer than five seconds, it would then slow the email process down. They must have, well, and I trust that Google, they don't do anything by mistake there, so I imagine that there was some sort of massive algorithm they used to, to arrive at the five-second interval. Yeah, I they mean, you, did a lot of trials and... and and it's because it is always somebody that writes an email to their boss that starts like, "Dear bastard," uh, you know, and then send it. You go, ah, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. I will say the people who hit reply all, in my experience, those people are just deeply dumb, Amanda. And there's no, that's not a thing that like they do. That's when somebody hits reply all, it's usually not by accident. It's because they really think that everybody else in the company needs to hear their alleged thoughts on things. And so. don't you just hate those people? You're, you get all these emails that you don't, they don't have anything to do with you, but it's because you were on a thread yes. five hours ago. Yeah, they've, we become really snarky about it here at CBS, and occasionally when somebody starts doing the reply all thing, immediately somebody will weigh in with, stop it, stop it now, quit replying to all of these people. There is, I won't identify who it is, but there's somebody here at CBS that hits reply all, and intentionally, you can tell, and replies to like everybody in the entire uh, corporate system. And then just fills it with emoticons and winky things and things that say OMG. It's all very disturbing. So, all right. Amanda Moyer from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Thank you so much, Amanda. My pleasure. All right. Have a fantastic day. All right. There you go. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the phones. We'll get Steve and Brian. So, uh, Steve, Brian, hang tight. Your call's ahead. Lisa Lampanelli tickets. We'll also talk to Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. And we'll go to the news desk with Tim Riley. It's just ahead on the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Uh, still to come from Cinematical, we have Don Taylor will be joining us in the studio to talk about DVD releases. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. Uh, Lisa Lampanelli tickets today. Uh, also top five, etc., etc., so on and so forth. Tim Riley is at the news desk. In the news with Tim Riley. Now, the only problem is... 
We need $26.8 million more dollars to build the soccer stadium. That's the only problem, Tim. Everything else is fixed. Yep. So there are no other problems other than that. So. Maybe they can borrow it from one of the car companies. That could be, too. Maybe we can just give Everyone our... can share. We can give our money to the auto industry, and then the auto industry can give it to the soccer stadium, and then the soccer, uh, soccer stadium can give it to... What did I see today that they're closing? Drug treatment centers or something? Uh, so that, you know, Throwing crazy people onto the streets for us to deal with. That's right, Tim. And giving uh, them knives on the way out. <laughs> it's like a reverse door prize. So, yeah. Not only are we building a new soccer stadium. Actually, no, we're renovating PGE Park. That's what, And building a new stadium in the Rose Quarter. Wait, I'm confused. So one isn't enough. Are we fixing one or are we building one? Both. What's wrong with the, what's wrong with PGE Park? It There's doesn't, always something wrong with PGE Park. There's Can never enough money, Tim. There's never enough money. The grass is never green enough at PGE Park. The thing about PGE Park is there's not even like a roof, uh, you know, a ceiling, right? I mean, that was the no. thing. Well, I always use the example of the kingdom because there was this there was this famous uh, news report that ran in Seattle, uh, in God, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe the mid to late nineties about the kingdom, which they eventually just blew up. But there was some guy in there. And he was for the, they were just filming the ceiling of the kingdom, which was this 80,000-person uh, stadium in Seattle, where literally the, you could just sit there and watch ceiling tiles just fall off and plummet to the ground. And you know it was just a matter of time before they landed on somebody like a Skid Row concert. It just, you know, and suddenly, uh, you know, as Mr. Miyagi would say, uh, squish like grape. But uh, so that's not the case at BG Park, though. I mean, it's just. They always say it's not good enough. It's just bleachers. Yeah. I mean, am I missing something about PGE Park? Uh, it's pretty It's pretty old-fashioned. I don't know if it's falling apart or not. I know, like, the paint's peeling and, like... Give it a paint job. So yeah, I'm cool. not sure, because I, I always sit in one particular section when I go to soccer games, so I don't know, like, what the rest of it... Here's a dumb question. Is. So, PGE Park. Do the toilets flush? They do. They have nice bathrooms. There you go. So, PGE... That's all you need, Sarah. You need a <laughs> chair and something to uh, to use for your bodily evacuation, and then you're done. PGE Park. So, that is uh, because of Pacific Gas and Electric? Yes. Okay. Has it always been called PGE no. Park? No. It used to be called, was it Civic Center Park or something okay, like that? Okay, but so PGE it, has the, it's the naming rights. Right, correct. Who owns the actual park? Is it the city? It is the city. Okay, well, so I guess if the city feels, who's paying to renovate this? Is it the city? Well, let's see. $12.5 million comes from the Paulson family cash. $18.5 million comes from the Oregon Convention Center Urban Renewal Area. $31 million from the Portland Spectator Franchise Fund. So this is for PGE Park. Yeah, the city has to borrow, though, $17.7 million <laughs> with zero coupon bonds. And now, now to make this $26.8 million, they say they may be able to get it by taxing restaurants and nearby bars. Well, that's great. To death. Yeah, in your face, Sarah Dillon. So the, the nearby restaurants that's and a, bars? That's what it says. That's a lose-one, win-one for you. <laughs> so I mean, I guess you'll be able to watch uh, soccer. You just won't be able to go drink anywhere. So you'll have to just drink at the soccer That's game. That's what flasks are for. I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> you have to do all your drinking there. So they need an additional $29 million to build a soccer stadium. 27. 27. I'm sorry. That's great. That's wonderful. Stop exaggerating. Brandon. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to talk. I don't mean to talk crazily. Has it occurred to anybody that this is a stupid idea? I mean, look, I don't mean to pass judgment. It is judgment. a stupid idea. I mean, they've kind already... It seems like a stupid idea. I mean, look, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-sports. I'm really I not. To, I even went to, like, the press yeah, conference and they announced MLS. Ago, weren't you? I mean, they've huh? got... Uh, <laughs> I know. Why was I excited about this? Did you stand because up they weren't going to be... This is a stupid idea. Because like, I'm their puppet, and now they can charge twice as much for tickets. Seriously, they're working you like a puppet under the table, Sarah. Uh, they, because you didn't know you were going to get horked for $30 million, I'm sorry, 26 or whatever it, it is. It's not just renovating PGE Park. It's building another baseball stadium in the Rose Quarter. Do we are, 
Another we baseball. A, we don't have a baseball stadium. I was, so I was going to actually I think ask PG that. PGE Park used to, is also don't they a baseball, play baseball stadium. Stadium. So PGE Park's Park? getting renovated, yes. but they're building a new baseball stadium. What are they going to be also doing? Playing at P- baseball. Well, the, the baseball player's shoes ruin the grass. What will they be doing at PGE Park then? If they're building a baseball stadium to and they're baseball. building a soccer stadium, P- to play soccer, so- what will PGE Park be used that'll for? That'll be a soccer stadium. Wait, they're so renovating PGE Park into a soccer, stadium. a soccer stadium. Okay, so they're going to renovate PGE Park into a soccer stadium, which, as somebody told us, the difference is that it's got to have bleachers on both sides. I guess so. I mean, really, that's what it, I'm not trying to be daft. That's what it comes down to. Somebody told us because if they want to bring, if or if they are bringing Major League Soccer, which is a well, but anyway, are, are the seats that they already have usually full? Well, that's a good question. That, are the games sold out? Well, it's not Major League, to be fair. They usually have about like. Um, like eight to ten thousand people. And, and oh, to be fair, you know, yeah. the, the appellation that it's a major league team is a draw to certain people. Uh, it seems there are people who will watch major league versions of a sport who will not watch uh, sort of smaller league versions of a sport. I mean, that's we all, you know, uh, we all know that that's true. Just you know, here's the thing: it's just like how every year, just like clockwork, whatever team it is that looks like they're going to go to the Super Bowl, you suddenly see a huge spike in all their merchandise yep. because there's a bunch of jackasses. I guess I better go buy some stuff that says 49ers on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how it is. You know, of course, now that it's going to be a major league thing, you're going to be uh, see a bunch of just uh, fat bastards who are there at the game who don't care. Who are oh, there? They're be- like they're mock like Timbers Army scarves, smoking cigars or and looking have, like douchebags. They can have special events there too. Like, come see the Octo Mom. Maybe they Maybe can. Maybe she have, can sing the national anthem. <laughs> Maybe they can have an opening ceremony where they just burn big bags of my money, Tim. Jesus. So that's that. Maybe they. Did you see that? There's a radio station in Chicago that had Rob Blagojevich doing their weekend show yes. or their midday show. WLS. And then, uh, which is where Susan Reynolds used to work. And, and where all the newspapers are declaring bankruptcy. And she uh, she sent out this um, this email. It was just the paddock at me. She's like, Hey, look, it's a, it's a radio stunt. And it was like Rob Blagojevich, uh, who was uh, having to, uh, you know, he was like doing their midday show or whatever. They got him as some sort of like a kooky, like a like a, a gag, a gimmick. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, but we'd do exactly the same thing. And there was about a five-minute lag, and then she emailed back. She said, yes, yes, we would. <laughs> uh, right now. I'm telling Maybe you right now. Maybe we can have Bo when he's in on Thursday, like, hey, that's right. I'm glad stories or the top five or something. Well done, Sarah. Thank you for reminding me of that. I wrote it in big letters. Uh, Bo Breedlove will be joining us in the studio this Thursday, ladies and gents. I'm going to get my questions together. And isn't this his first David radio Frost appearance? Style. I, yeah. Really? Is he, is this, is he the, uh, the Nixon to your Frost? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were fornicating last night. Would you like a cheeseburger? Nobody knows what I'm talking about. Because like nine people saw that movie. I do. I like. That. I love that movie. I saw it three times. I only uh, saw it once, but I'll see it again. Yeah, the play is coming. The Portland Center stage, you know, uh, or whatever's the, the place where Storm is performing. Where crazy enough is. Yep. Frost Nixon is coming. Excellent. So, so uh, who are Frost Nixon? I don't know. I don't think it's Langella and the guy. I think it's Langella and the guy, which is like Chico and the man. Welcome to Langella and the guy. Uh, it's uh, it's whoever and what's it. The point is, it's Frost Nixon, so it's uh, which is the play that the movie was based on. Yes. You really ought to see Frost Nixon; it's pretty great. I will, uh, and I think you'll like the guy who plays David Frost. Uh, you'll find him dreamy. Would I want him to be my special friend? Yes, I, he's you know he's uh, he's an attractive man. I will also he's say this: played that uh, Tony Blair before. That's right, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, of he's an attractive man, so Bo Breedlove will be in the studio this Thursday, um, uh, this Thursday, which is April second, the day after tomorrow. And so talking I was, about I was, I would imagine golf. Bobby Mills. Is talking about puppy mills, Tim, which are apparently breeding contention, according to the uh, Oregonian. Well, maybe we can get his, his opinion on where we can get all the money to build a new soccer stadium. Maybe we should ask him if he wants to do a weekend show, you know, or uh, 
you know, you know, or or whatever. Uh, maybe he can be a uh, maybe he can do a, a guest DJ spot. Uh, you know, in the, maybe one of the nighttime hours. Radio stations love that kind of a thing. They do him and Cato Kalin. So here's my thing about Bob Relove. So I was talking, I was talking to his people yesterday, and we were trying to like nailing down the specifics for him uh, being on the show on Thursday. And so the conversation, the best part about it was at one point, uh, the woman says to me, she says, so um. So do you, Bo Breedlove, okay, so we're confirmed for Thursday. Um, do you want him on the phone or in the studio? And it's like before I even was able to open my mouth to say why, in the studio, of course, I wasn't even able to respond. Before I got anything out of my mouth, she goes, so do you want him on the phone or in the studio? I mean, he's gorgeous. It was like she just gushed it over the phone. And, I mean, we were already planning on having him in the studio, but I said, well, well, that seals it then. So he's uh, he'll be in this chair he right there. He's a good-looking boy. He really is. At least the uh, the readers of Unzipped uh, agree with you, Sarah. He's on the cover of Unzipped magazine this month. And I, I like it, and he looks all manly too. Oh, by the way, they're dropping off promo copies of Unzipped for us. So I'm the, either there tomorrow. I like tomorrow. what I'm hearing. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and I think I think it is exactly what it appears to be. I think Unzipped is in fact like a maxim. It's like the uh, it's like a gay man's maxim magazine. Not so much like so somewhere, b- not quite Playboy. Certainly not like Hustler. But anyway, so Bo Breedlove. So magazine without studio. zippers, obviously. That's right, Tim. What are we talking about? I don't know. Soccer stadium. All right. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio show. It is Tuesday morning. Hello. Hi, Rick, Sarah, and Tim. It's Mailman Brian. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you today? Hey, I'm Danny. Nice to talk to you guys on the FM side. Crystal, crystal clear, our voices are. Oh, and and uh, uh, no compression whatsoever. That's it's awesome. Yeah. Um, perhaps uh, they could sell puppies to fund the stadium, Portland puppies. That might be fun. From a okay. mill? Yeah, for the from the mill. Yeah. Who was it that um, said when they heard pepper mill or puppy mill, they just thought of like a mill where you were just getting finely ground puppy for your Richie. salad? Was it Richie? Yeah. yeah. Of course it was Richie. Um, so I have two things. One of them. Um, Not the stereotype. Well, no, but you are in stereo. Sorry, bad joke. Where's my symbol? Wow. Um, okay. So this is actually for you can when Don Taylor comes in next hour, you can let yeah. her know that the Federa- National Federation of Community Broadcasters is meeting this week in Portland. At a major downtown hotel. The National Federation of Community Broadcasters. Yes, sir. There is such a, a thing. Who even knew they would have the money to travel? What do they do? What would they possibly be meeting for? Um, well, this I is for what... like uh, this is for like hippie like free hippie radio stations. Yeah, exactly. Community radio stations all over the country. Can you imagine the funk coming out of that room? Can you imagine just just the uh-huh. just the assembled underarm odor that would be at such a gathering? I can give you a first-hand report if you'd like. Please do. I would okay. like to hear such a report. Fantastic. Um, but I wanted to let you know that the main thing is is that your uh, favorite uh, radio trainer will be in town doing some workshops at this convention. Oh, what was her name? Marilyn Pittman. Marilyn Pittman. Okay, so uh, so uh, Dawn Taylor uh, yeah. at one point was doing. Uh, she was uh, Dawn Taylor, who was from Cinematical, uh, who will be talking about DVD releases in the next hour. She uh, wrote for Film. dot com. She wrote for the Portland Tribune. At one point, she was doing uh, it was like a small kind of part-time show on on what's on KBU, which is you know the, the the hippie station here, and they actually paid to have some jackass radio consultant come in and teach them how to be better, you know, like DJs uh, on that, which was really just like the blind leading the mute, bleeding, you know, leading the stupid, um, and it, it was just it was like this weird, just daisy chain of people who clearly didn't know what they were talking about, not because they, they, they lack talent in any way. I mean, Dawn certainly doesn't, but it's like, they, they, like the goal of a station like that is really just to not have the guy set the thing on fire when he's, when he's smoking a joint. <laughs> I mean, that really, like, that's considered a successful day at a station like that. That um, is true. And so they paid this consultant to come in, 
And it would just have this great, like, terrible mimeographed list of instructions for how to be a successful DJ. And uh, Don brought all that stuff uh, in with her, and it was just, it was fantastic. Oh, by the way, and then the week after we talked about that with her, Kabu fired her. <laughs> they, they sent her, somebody recorded her appearance. Somebody narked on her. That is so lame. There was somebody who recorded really? her appearance on our show talking oh, about goodness. being a Kabu, and they excerpted it, and they sent it to the program director of that station. It was an MP3, and the subject line of the email was, Don Taylor sells her soul. And then they fired her. I wow. thought that station was about free speech. Well, as would... long as it's left-leaning, I That's suppose. what I'm saying, Tim, as long well, as they're a mouthpiece for the liberal agenda. I'm going to have to have a talk. Yeah. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right. One more here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Good morning to you. Good morning, Mr. Emerson. Hello, sir. Dylan and Mr. Riley. Hello. Hi. I was calling regarding the pause break key. Oh, yeah, we're That's talking about the insert key on the keyboard, and right above that is print screen, scroll lock, sys rick, I don't know what that is, and then pause break. Yes. The pause break key interrupts your power on self-test when you first boot your computer. You have that black screen with all that miscellaneous information. Yes. You hit the pause break, it'll stop that from going. Also, if you hit the Windows key and pause break, it'll bring up your system properties, much like you right-clicked on my computer. Hold on. Hey, so it does. Hey, you know, I could have used this. Don't even get me started on Windows. Uh, I could have oh. used this any number of times in the last uh, day or two as I'm trying to figure out why Windows XP just stopped recognizing that I have a sound card. I don't want to get off my own personal issues. Goddamn Bill Gates. Um, so uh, when you say that it would it interrupts that black screen at the beginning when you boot up, it has all that gibberish on it. Why would you want to do that? Because sometimes the key that determines how you go into the BIOS setup changes. Sometimes oh, okay. Or whatever. If you pause that, you can actually figure out which one it is, and when you restart, enter the setup. Interesting. All right. No, and that you know, and here, and let me tell you that Windows and the the uh, uh, what is it? Windows and uh, pause break. Pause break. That actually is really, really useful. That's a thing I can actually. Uh, that would. That, that is a trick that I will actually uh, make a part of my repertoire of keyboard skills. Thank you, sir. I use that on a routine basis. Also, Mr. Riley, yeah. I wanted to thank you for replying to my email I sent you uh, to express my sympathies. I imagine you were uh, pretty inundated with emails, and the fact that you wrote back, I really appreciated that. Oh, you're welcome. I answer all emails. Sometimes it takes me a few days, but I do answer them all. I answer almost none of my email. Just FYI. Uh, the, we were, so Tim, at one point, uh, Tim was... I, I had more time to answer email for like three months. It was a bit of like a Zen thing. First there was Tim, then there was no Tim, then there was Tim. All right, thank you for listening, my friend. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. All right, there you go. I read it, and then I don't answer it, and then I feel bad. So it's like a, like a paralysis with like an... I, yeah, but it's like paralysis with like a guilt candy coating on top of it. That's, That's acceptable. Yes, yes it is. All right. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It is... Wow, this is one of the best songs ever made, really. Uh -huh. Just in the... I don't even know if I can... I'm probably not even supposed to talk up ramps. Do people talk up ramps on, yeah. on rock stations anymore? No. Really? Well, here I am doing it. I'm that kind of guy. I'm playing fast and loose with the rules. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It is Rock 101 KUFO. We're going to get the lead out. It's rock and roll. David. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. You know, it's been a while since we did this. I'm opening up the Handbook of Radio Publicity and Promotion by Jack W. McDonald. Uh, so this is a book. Uh, so Susan Reynolds uh, lent this to us. This is from 1965. This is a 1965 guide uh, to radio events and uh, happenings and gimmicks that will help you obtain ratings and revenue. 
This is the same. I think this is the same book that was recommending that we celebrate National Clown Day and that we have a Mrs. Frump contest. One of your air personalities should arrange to interview a local beauty authority, perhaps the head of a charm school. On the program, they discuss various aspects of beauty as they pertain to national beauty contests. During the interview, your man, it's always a man in 1965, says that he finds it unfortunate that everything is done for pretty girls, but nothing can be done for the plain, ordinary gals. He assumes that probably nothing can ever be done for them. And then presumably that's, that's proven incorrect by the beauty school. Uh, let's see what else we had. Um, did we already talk? Did we talk about the one where they wanted to stick the DJ in a hotel for three weeks or until his mind snapped? Yes, no. yes, we did. But it was a whole Maybe lot I of watch his liquor intake and make sure that there are no women in the room. How about this one? This is the laugh off promotion. It's an outstanding one day fun promotion that, when properly promoted in advance, can gain a huge audience for your station. On a given Saturday or Sunday, you should schedule solid 12-hour blocks of comedy material to run from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. It would be a good idea to combine this with the idea that yours is the station that puts the fun back in radio. It should be a fully produced humor showcase, says this book from 1965. That was tried in California, went off the air, and the morning man was fired. (laughs) Who was the morning man? Somebody we all know. Did his name rhyme with Mim Miley? Yes, it does. Fantastic. (laughs) What was it? What, did they have you playing comedy bits off the album? Cassettes. I had to queue up thousands of cassettes. Really? Was it just? And it was just like it the Davis and Here Man bit. Air. You ever tried to queue up a cassette? Yes. Yes. I know exactly how you do it. By the way, you get to the audio, you stop, and you take it out, and you go to quarter turn back. Yep. In your face. Yeah. That's a so skill that no one needs. You sat there for six needs. hours, turning little cassettes with your finger inside of them, or At, a pencil if you could find. What them. were the nature? What was sort of comedy albums were you using? Uh. Lots of Judy Tanuna. This is my plant, Robert. Yeah, that's rinse, repeat. You know who she's married to? Who? Emo Phillips. And we played a lot of Emo Phillips. Boy, you know the Emo Phillips. You want to talk about a guy that I'll be taking outside, just beaten savagely, I and then that way, chewing those cassettes up with my boy, finger every day. That guy, man, that guy's head ought to be filled with beetles. I, it just, it, it, that's a guy who does not deserve to it to be drawing air. Uh, the idea, it was so easy to be a comedian in the 80s, I think. Uh, just because they would just give anybody a comedian. There was a glut of comedians in the 80s. And everybody got a production deal. You know, everybody you would, tried stand-up. You'd have three jokes at the comedy store, and Mitzi Shore would get you some sort of a sitcom uh, deal somewhere. Emo Phillips. Let me see if I can do an Emo Phillips joke. Because um, they were all sort of like weird. He was like this kind of, he was like this really stoned kind of Stephen Wright kind he of a thing. Stephen Wright, too. Like, he, of course you did. I spilled spot remover on my dog, and he's gone. You know, it, now I'm a millionaire, which is just, it was just as infuriating. Uh, Emo Phillips did the same sort of set it up, knock it down kind of a thing, but his whole delivery, if you kids don't remember Emo Phillips, um, he, he, would, uh, he would say something that was very normal, and then he would follow it up with an unexpected twist. But then he would do it as though he was high on nitrous oxide. He would say, um, here's an Emo Phillips uh, type joke. You know, there's nothing that gets me going in the morning like a hot pot of coffee. I've tried other enemas, but they don't have the same success. And then Judy Tenuta is off stage going, ha, 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 like John Mahoney in the can say anything. Okay, before we, before we move on, so this book says, if you're going to do this 12-hour block of comedy, which I guess is the key to ratings, some of the comedy albums, Tim, which you should already have in your library... <laughs> Uh, Shame on you if you don't. And if you don't, the distributor, uh, the distributor of the records can get them for you. That should be used include records by Orson Bean. 
Don Adams, Shelley Berman, Art Buckwald. Art Buckwald, really? I guess so. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else do we have? Um, Phyllis, Phyllis Diller, Stan Freeberg. I'm a big Stan Freeberg fan. Pat Harrington Jr. Isn't that the guy that played Schneider on yep. One Day at a Time? Why would you have a comedy record by Schneider? Well, that was later in his career. Was he a comedian? He tried to be. All right. Was point. he successful? Well, he was successful enough that I guess he's alongside Orson Bean. Uh, and also, by the way, Homer and Jethro, uh, Tom Lehrer, Bob Newhart, Jonathan Winters, and, of course, Yogi Jorgensen. There you go. That's for the win. Wow. Right there. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson uh, Show from Cinematical, our good friend Don Taylor joining us now in studio. Hello. How are you today? I'm excellent. How are you? Are you a big <laughs> uh, Pat Harrington Jr. fan? Here's what I know about Pat Harrington Jr. He provided... One of the voices in the Pink Panther cartoon that was it was prominent in the late 60s, early 70s. But now that I think about it, I don't know what voice he would have provided because I think those were almost all pantomime cartoons. I don't think there was any dialogue in them. Well, that doesn't make any sense now that I think about it. Well, that's just well, nonsense. Did he do Inspector Clouseau in the, uh, the there were there were specific Inspector Clouseau cartoons? Maybe, but I didn't think Inspector Clouseau spoke either. I thought yeah, that in those cartoons, did he? Yeah. All right, maybe I'm just thinking of the actual ones with the Pink well, Panther. Yeah, the Pink Panther cartoons did not actually have Inspector mm. Clouseau in them. All right, there and was no there like crossover separate. sort of. All right, there, no, I got nothing. I don't know. By the way, you should also apparently uh, you should be stocking your library with records by by Bob and Ray, also Buddy Hackett. So. The Pink Panther cartoons also had those cartoons with the anteater who talked like... Uh, I, OMG, I completely forgot yeah. all about the anteater. But he he talked like... Um, uh, that uh, Jewish comedian. Um, what is his name? Art Buckwald? Uh, let me just, I don't know, let me just read off any of the there names on this list. of Jew, Jewish comedians. Well, no, the, the me, guy, he's, he's, he's like 700 years old, and he still Buddy does Hackett, Broadway but, shows. No, Henny Youngman. Oh, Henny Youngman. Oh, he's okay. Dead. Let me pick I can think of the other guy. Pick uh, a name at random. Yeah, never mind. Stan Freeberg. But yeah, it was kind of a Henny Youngman sort of a, kind of a, God, now it's going to drive me crazy. I can't remember that comedian's name. He's like 90, and he keeps doing Broadway you're not, band shows. You're not talking about Henny Youngman. No, I'm not talking about Henny Youngman. Um, Jewish comedian 90 doing Broadway shows. Yeah. Was like Jackie Mason? Jackie Mason. <laughs> oh, really? That's who I'm thinking of. Really? I, Is he I, hurling racial epithets at a TMZ reporter? But I was thinking that I always thought that uh, the anteater sounded like Jackie Mason. I can see that. Uh, well, it's a, I guess uh, Dr. Zoidberg on Futurama is modeled, uh, I forget who it is, but on a specific comedian from the sort of Borscht Belt uh, era. So, And there's just something funny about that, um, about that syntax. You know, as... Uh, uh, th- as Bobby Hill calls it, um, it's the cool way that people in Arizona talk, Dad. And it's that whole mayonnaise, I can take or leave, which is just, there's something about just taking the words and you just kind of invert them uh, enough that they become hilarious. I don't know why it is. It's just, uh, there's there's something there. So, all right. And I'm just picturing Tim surrounded by stacks and stacks and stacks of cassettes with like, sort of uh, like bad kind of like later period Cheech Marin recordings, yes. like born in East L.A. Yes. <laughs> It's like your own personal private purgatory, mm-hmm. just waiting for enough uh, waiting for enough prayers to be said to let you escape from spirit prison. Having to play that that Bill Cosby chocolate cake routine for the seven thousandth time. Oh, and snakes. Oh, <laughs> you, you, you want to talk about just a thing that I think all maybe not just guys, but I think especially guys go through this phase when they're in adolescence, where they will latch on to five or six specific comedy records 
and they will just listen to them just to death, to death, to death. Uh, a friend of mine who was all about that Dennis Miller off-white record, or the off-white album, uh, which is actually pretty good, but it's it, the guys will latch on to that just like they do with a specific movie, just like a guy will watch the Blues Brothers like 50,000 times. And my thing was uh, the Bill Cosby himself record and the George Carlin, uh, George Carlin's Playing With Your Head and... And then the Rodney Dangerfield uh, album, Rappin' Rodney, which actually was mislabeled because it only had, there was a rap song at the end of it, which is pretty terrible, which I think we played before. But the rest of it was just a, it was a regular stand-up act. And Rodney Dangerfield was sort of great because it was, again, just the same setup, punchline, setup, punchline rhythm. But he had that whole, you know, the, the no respect and the other, trace my family roots back to a stump, you know, or what, you know, or, it, which it, when you're a kid is just is hilarious because you've never heard that formula before. I miss Rodney Dangerfield. You know, Rodney Dangerfield was the first major comedian to have a website. You can file that away. Use that at a trivia night somewhere, you Portland kids. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get caught up here in a second. Don Taylor, uh, about what will you be speaking today? Uh, well, we have uh, your mainstream uh, DVDs are coming out. Slumdog Millionaire is out today. As Slumdog is... Millionaire? I don't think I've heard of that. Yeah. As is Marley and Me. Uh, yeah. The dog dies in the end. And I have a couple of uh, I have a couple of uh, more offbeat suggestions. Uh, Pornorama, a five-part documentary. I on the part like what I'm hearing. And a 1973 exploitation film from Denmark called The Sinful Dwarf. Fantastic. Is that like the uh, Is that like the Happy Organ? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, we'll move forward. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. More from Don Taylor, Katie Darrell from TMZ, and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. I'll tell you more right now, but last week I was a rough shape. Boy, I don't get a break with nothing. I played hide-and-seek when I was three. Why, they wouldn't even look for me. Yeah. I was an ugly kid. I never had fun. No respect. No respect. they took me to a dog show and I won. Come on, who doesn't love Rodney Dangerfield? That is uh, that is the title track from Rappin' Rodney, which is a cassette that came out in, like, I think, 1986. And it was uh, side one and most of side two were just these regular stand-up act, which was just this. And then somebody had the idea to kind of stick him in a studio and have him do it over this uh, over a beat. What? And then it became kind of a, you know, kind of a kind of a kind of a hit among the pimply faced set. What did he not do with that? No respect tagline. So I was at a um, at a bar the other day and they have the no respect Rodney Dangerfield board game. Fantastic. And it's him like, hey, on the cover, you know, like pulling his <laughs> And that's totally it, right? Yeah. Like, that's the sound. And it has all these crazy, it has like this, you know, these, of course, like completely white couples on the back. And totally. one of the guys is like pretending to be him and pulling his tie off to the side. And the ladies are all like, you're so funny. And he had that, <laughs> I'm sure he. But honestly, it was confusing. I couldn't figure out how to play the Rodney Dangerfield board game. He must have uh, trademarked that, the I can't get no respect. I mean, that it had to have been. It's like uh, with Michael Buffer, the let's get ready to rumble thing. I mean, he must have, you know. And Rodney Dangerfield did have that, you just nailed it, that one pose where he was pulling his tie to to the right. It was the red tie, the white shirt, and then like a jacket over the top of it. And he kind of had that. And he was always, he always looked kind of bug-eyed. That was his other thing. Like, it was always just sort of a gog at something. Um, but the, uh, and when you're a kid, though, that that never gets old. Just that that rhythm of the, uh, uh, I think another line on this Rappin' Rodney thing is the, uh, I'm getting old, I could go any minute. I got a kidney-shaped pool with a stone in it. And, 
Yeah, but that's like the most Noel Coward-esque wit you have ever heard in your life as a uh, as a younger person. And there are a few things funnier than when you see a kid who's about eight years old doing Rodney Dangerfield jokes. Oh, man. It's, that's, that is hilarious. Here's the great thing about kids, too, is you can train them to do almost anything until they reach <laughs> the age of reason. Uh, we're here with Don Taylor from Cinematical. Uh, and straight ahead, more news with Tim Riley, who's working on the following headlines on this Tuesday morning. Miley Cyrus says after her next Hannah Montana film, there will be no more. She wants to move on to more adult roles. Two teenagers from the coast are accused of sexting. The father and son beating and robbing team who let that skier dead are now back home in Scamania County to face charges. Hey, smokers, cigarettes are going up a buck a pack. And please avoid eating pistachios. They're bad for you. Okay. Oh, I'll get right on that. Uh, by the way, so we got a series of emails here. All of them really angry and then the last one contrite. There's just like an escalating tones of rage about the anteater in the Pink Panther cartoon, which you, Don Taylor, was saying, like, I think it sounds, the anteater sounds a lot like Jackie Mason. And so I get this email, it says, the ant, this is all caps, the anteater was voiced by Jackie Mason. Damn you all! <laughs> that was sort of the apotheosis of the rage. And then, like about four minutes later, I get this one, lowercase. My apologies. All my life, I believe the anteater was voiced by Jackie Mason. I have discovered otherwise. I shall now shut the f up. All right, thank you, sir. So it wasn't Jackie Mason. No, a little bit like a, a little bit like a self-cleaning oven there. That whole thing just took care of itself without me having to uh, invest any emotion at all. Don Taylor in the world of DVD. Let's start with Pornorama. Okay, uh, Pornorama is a, uh, a a fairly famous, if you know, I guess, amongst certain circles, five-part documentary that was made in the 90s, uh, came out in 1992, about the porn industry. Um, it's uh, hosted by Ron Jeremy and a woman named Alexis Devell. I don't know who that is. And uh, has a whole lot of people in it, uh, none of whom I know who they are because I'm really not, I don't know a lot about You're porn. You're not the porn enthusiast uh, that, that really. some, some are. David yeah. Walker would be able to tell you a lot about this. When David Walker <laughs> has been on the show. David Walker, late of the Willamette, now of badassmofo.com. Uh, at one point, uh, I remember David and I were like nine minutes into what I think became like a 42-minute porn discussion. I looked over, and it was, it was like uh, it was like... Sarah had been cryogenically uh, preserved like Walt Disney. It was like the eyes had gone beyond glazed over because we were oh, talking about your porn talk? some weird Constantly. sort of minutia. Because it, porn I was is before just, Tim was back, too, so I didn't have him here to save me. It's just, and because porn is just endlessly fascinating to me. It's just the strangest, weirdest industry. I mean, it's like it's sort of akin to like, I don't know, imagine that there's like a billion dollar industry that was just about people shaving or something. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, you know, not the, uh, in other words, it's a thing that is just like when you reduce it to its core, you can put all the dressings and all the trappings on it you want. But when you get down to it, it you know, it's like a, it's like a hamburger that has any number of exotic condiments on it. You know, at the end, it really is what it is. And the, but the idea that there's just such a massive industry built up around it, uh, and that there could in fact be a five-volume documentary. Yeah. And it is, it is actually fascinating. I've only seen a small part of it, but it does um, actually go behind the scenes with uh, actors like Peter North and other people who were famous in the 90s whose names I don't remember them but um and looks at casting looks at how they prepare to go on set yeah. uh looks at all a lot of the technical stuff behind the scenes and also talks to them and they talk very frankly about the business and did you, did you ever see that uh, the the Ron Jeremy documentary that porn star yes. the legend of Ron Jeremy yes. which is pretty uh, pretty fascinating and it came out around the same time as what the hell was it called I think it was called I want to say Girl Next Door, but I think that was that terrible comedy about the, the porn star that moves onto the 
like a the, like a Desperate Housewives type movie, but there's a porn star who lives down the street. I forget what it was called. But there's uh, um, the Ron Jeremy documentary came out around the same time as a documentary about this uh, porn star named Stacy Valentine, I think her name is, and. But, you know, she's, a, you know, the big blonde buxom porn star and whatever, and they kind of follow her, and she gets into the industry with her boyfriend, like, they, they enter the, the porn world together, and it's that, it's this, like, the same old thing where he thinks it's, he thinks it's all really hot and sexy, I'm dating a porn star, until he has to go and see her get, uh, mm-hmm. you know, get worked over by, like, 65 guys, you know, in the course of an afternoon. Suddenly, it's not quite so hot, and it all turns awkward. Anyway. Well, anyway, no, it is, and it is, uh, it is really interesting, and it's, uh, if, if you are interested in such things, it was, uh, Fairly well known at the time it came out because nothing had been done like it at the time because this was ninety two. Well, here's a dumb and, question: Could I get this like on Netflix or something, or is it like the um, kind of thing next? The, the kind of thing that Netflix wouldn't stop. I don't know if Netflix has it. You can purchase it through Amazon Net- and several of your your regular Netflix. online. Things. You, just, you might have trouble picking it up at like Best Buy or something, but I, I have no idea. They might carry it as well because right. it is a documentary, so it's educational. It's art, Don. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. It's really it's for uh, it's for informative purposes. All right, uh, Pornorama. Pornorama on set with porn's biggest stars. Fantastic. Oh, am I still talking? Yes. Yeah, no, what was the other one that you were talking I opened my mouth to say something, and then I actually thought better of it just now and decided that we would was move on. Was it something on. creepy and porny? Maybe. Shut up. It's Don Taylor. <laughs> well, uh, and speaking of creepy and porny, uh, I watched this uh, this movie last night so that I knew whether or not to recommend it. Um, there's a uh, Finally on DVD, the, the world has clamored for this. Preview, it was, le- it was only available on VHS. Uh, 1973, The Sinful Dwarf, a Danish uh, exploitation film, uh, very much grindhouse fare, starring a uh, man named Torben Bill, uh, just billed here as Torben, as the dwarf. And he is, uh, weirdly enough, a former Danish children's show host, uh, but he plays Olaf the Sinful Dwarf. He uh, lives with his crazy mother in a boarding house and plays with stuffed toys and puts them in compromising positions. And he uses his stuffed toys to lure young women to the boarding house where he knocks them on the head. Then they keep them drugged in the basement as sex slaves. Um, so uh, It's really got everything that a growing boy needs in terms of entertainment. Yeah, I personally do not smoke marijuana. But I was watching this movie and thinking that if one did partake of that, it I would make this movie... I guess that's why you're not a cable anymore, huh? <laughs> you just didn't fit in, Don. But I, I honestly think that that would have made this movie even more awesome because you've got, first of all, you've got a dwarf. You've got a bunch of naked women rolling around being shot up with heroin. You've got Crazy Mom, who used to be some kind of a showgirl, so there's a point at which she dresses up in like a Carmen Miranda outfit and does a musical number. Okay, that sounds kind of amazing. And then a basement full of sex slaves. Yes. I mean, it's got all the ingredients, really, to be a modern-day classic, uh, and now it's been reissued. And it's that one of those great MST3K kind of movies where things just don't make sense, where it's like, you know, mom sends Torben to the basement to shoot up the girls, but then he, like, peeks through the wall at the, the new boarders who are having sex in their room, and then that happens for a really long time, then... It's the next morning, and the boarders are getting dressed. But but then the next scene is Torben finally getting to the basement to shoot up the girls. So you're going, it took him all night to get to the basement? And it's one of those things where it's almost like it's like a Burroughs word salad thing where they cut up the film and then just taped it back together. Exactly. Just, and you keep expecting Torgo to show up, and the master doesn't like it. 
I give a Torgo reference. I was yeah. like, not Torgo. And Torben, Torben the dwarf, he, he has a cane and he kind of hobbles along really slowly. And I kept hearing the Torgo music in my head. <laughs> it's a Mono's Hands of Fate uh, <laughs> tribute almost. almost. That's, that's wonderful. Excellent. The, I'm so glad we were all thinking that same thing. <laughs> Mystery Science Theater has a couple episodes that I think are universally agreed upon as just classics. Mono's Hands of Fate on Friday. Mono's Hands of Fate is right there. It's, I mean, that's God right damn, up alongside Mitchell and Pod People oh, yes. and Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, which is great. Mono's The Hands of Fate uh, is wonderful. And that's from the Joel era, right? Am I, am I right yeah. about that, Joel? Yeah. Um, here's one of the reasons why that film is so good, because the actual film, Mono's Hands of Fate, which then uh, it was given the Mystery Science Theater treatment, they shot it on a camera that could only film 30 seconds at a time, which is why there's no shot that's longer than 30 seconds, because they would reach 30 seconds and they would have to stop. Also, it couldn't record any sound, so every single line of dialogue was done after the fact, like ADR in a studio somewhere, which is why none of the voices look like they're right, nothing syncs up properly. And then it's got that weird, creepy organ music, and the Torgo guy is going, the master will be here soon. And they keep abandoning their child in the house as they go out and look at like instant. I I recently moved, before I moved, I lived in North Portland, and so I would drive by the bar Yorgos all the time. And every time I'd drive by Yorgos, I'd have to like do the music under my breath. To bring it all back together, speaking of Mystery Science Theater, so I watched this weekend, I think it was Saturday night, Friday night? I think about it on Friday night. Rifttracks.com is the new service that's run by Mike Nelson from Mystery Science Theater, along with uh, along with uh, you know Kevin and some of those guys. And so it basically is the three prominent voice actors from the latter days of Mystery Science Theater, and they do uh, they do Mystery Science Theater style commentary as a downloadable MP3, so you can put it with contemporary films. And I watched The Happening with Mark Wahlberg, which is just so it's just mind-bogglingly inept. It's just so badly done in every conceivable way. And I realized the genius of Mystery Science Theater and now Rift Tracks is that it makes otherwise unwatchable films totally tolerable. Mm-hmm. The Rift Tracks guys are right now, they're working on one for Twilight. <sighs> That's fantastic. Hey, are they see- working on one for The Room? You know, uh-huh. I don't they know have to. Hey, by the way, speaking of Twilight, apparently there's a deleted Twilight sex scene that's floating around the Intertron. <gasps> so you might want to... <laughs> what? You might want to close your mouth, first of all, and no. then you might want to... Uh... <laughs> wow. I just Was that an I'm... ironic gasp you just did there? I'm just saying... I liked that movie, and oh. I watched it with two um, two of my girlfriends for the second time this past weekend. Yeah, Twilight is a uh, and my friend Heather was something. a disbeliever too. She's just like it's that. It was so, that it was bad. No, she's like it's going to be the worst movie ever. And uh, halfway through, I I pause the movie. I'm like, tell me how much you love this. Yeah. She's like, this is one of the greatest. Movies. Oh no! The, the, I'm just trying to imagine a sex scene between these two torpid, stoned, <laughs> uncaring, lethargic teenagers. Yeah, it's like the, like the most tedious Mormon sex you can possibly imagine. I picture it just be like a lot of staring and <laughs> a lot of awkward <laughs> shifting around and, the and muttering. His face and start yeah, like sparkling. Yeah. I thought honestly when I first thought, saw that, I thought that he was sweating. Your, and, your skin sparkles really. Oh, you're on my hair. <laughs> and then somebody has sex with Robert Duvall through a sheet. <laughs> Tim Riley is just ahead with news, and we'll uh, get a few more DVD notes from Don Taylor at Cinematical. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. Still ahead today as well, Katie Darrell from TMZ.com and the Top 5. Don't go anywhere. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. I get hate mail about the weirdest things. This guy sent me a long email about those spiral light bulbs we were talking about yesterday. He the says, ones that don't work? And at one point, see, that's, see now you're going to get it because I'm not going to say it anymore because he just, just sends into the all caps thing. It starts off with sort of a, like he's using the proper, uh, you know, uh, punctuation and he's you know he's capitalizing these correctly and then it just becomes all big block letters when he says how about you try the light bulbs before you judge them huh huh judge these light bulbs after you've tried them (laughs) 
Signed, love your show. And then he says, P.S. Walt Disney was not cryogenically frozen. Stop saying he was. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Well, that's why you said that um, you're judging them, because you used them, and they, in fact, burned out. (laughs) He's he's finding stupid reasons to hate. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to hate. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I I like to think that I've raised hate as sort of an art form. But it seems like if you're going to hate me about – hate me. Be like the guy who just sent me the long timbers uh, screed. Uh, The guy clearly has broken free of his restraining devices and gotten to a keyboard long enough to send me something. So, but, but those you, light bulbs give your house the ambiance of a cave. You'll see, that's the thing. You were just to, for the record. I said that. I said that. I said that. <laughs> well, no, and I agree. You were making the observation, Tim, that the light bulbs burn out really quickly. Yes, yeah, which good they for do. five years. They're good for about two weeks. My thing is just that they make everything look. Uh, they make everything look like you're playing a game of Half Life or something. It's got all the other. And, and weird, they look tacky, hanging from a chandelier. The sickly scythe. That's the other thing, by the way. Light bulbs are supposed to look like light bulbs. They're supposed to have a classic sort of design to them, yes, Tim. These new light bulbs are just. Uh, you know, it looks like it looks like exposed ductwork. Uh, you know, like you go into like a Costco or something, and is that which is fine inside a Costco. It's sort of like the uh, I would say that old light bulbs versus like the new the weird Al Gore light bulbs. It is sort of like the female form versus the male form. Well, God you know, meant light bulbs to be round and give off light. <laughs> yes, he did, Tim. Yes, he did. At the news desk, it is Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley, and I said that. Cigarettes are going to go up a buck a pack for all you smokers. That father and son beating and robbing team who left the skier for dead? Well, you didn't get away with it, did you? You got caught in Mexico? They're going to send you back here? Enjoy your time in prison. Two teenagers from the coast are accused of sexting. That's putting an erotic act on their cell phone involving an underage girl. They could get prison time for doing it. The CIA is trying to recruit you. Have you heard about this? The CIA is uh, running commercials on some radio stations. We don't have them yet, but they are running on some TV stations. Some of our bugs have been, well, real bugs. At the CIA, our scientists and engineers create and apply innovative technology to meet intelligence needs. Care to join them? It's fun and zany. So advanced, it's classified. U.S. citizenship required. And then it says CIA.gov. Uh, it says careers at CIA. I, would, I wouldn't think that they would even advertise, because you figure you should have to screen out just a bunch of X-Files jackasses. You know, just a bunch of, like, lone gunman types who are sitting at home, just, oh, such a great career. I mean, I would think the CIA, I was always to understand that the CIA, that it was like a skull and bones thing. Where you were just like sitting there, your applied mathematics class was at CIA, except for decline. And that, you know, and like you went with the guy or whatever. I mean. Yeah, I knew a guy who, uh, who, uh, was a, a languages major in college and, uh, He'd studied some uh, Middle Eastern languages, and he got approached by the CIA. Oh man, that's yeah, money that's in the bank. Yeah, no, if you can, yeah, yeah if you can. They don't want white people. No, <laughs> I mean, if you can, if you can, uh, yeah, if you can speak anything that will help in this, the alleged war on terror. Uh, yeah, that's you got a you got a job for like I would guess the next twenty five years or but so. But it would never have occurred to him to go apply for a job there, and I and it kind of seems like if they if he did apply for a job there, then they'd be suspicious that's as to why he'd want to work there. Exactly. <laughs> like if you went and tried to actively seek employment with the CIA, I would think it would almost immediately get put you like your name is going to go in a file uh, somewhere. All right, here's Tim Riley. A teenager has been charged with lighting an unconscious man's pants on fire and causing a third degree burn to the man's groin zone. Tyler Quick is uh, being arrested. Apparently, they were attending a party at the home of a 51-year-old man who passed out. Well, Mr. Quick lit a candle in the man's crotch, setting his pants on fire. He awoke and extinguished the blaze. Mr. Quick thought it was funny. 
Well, that $25,000 bail didn't put a smile on his face. Barack Obama talked about the automobile industry. He says the White House has rejected restructuring plans submitted by GM and Chrysler. We've determined that neither goes far enough to warrant the substantial new investments that these companies are requesting. So, he says the auto industry must not fail. We cannot and must not, and we will not, let our auto industry simply vanish. These companies and this industry must ultimately stand on their own, not as wards of the state. Well, i got two questions. I don't know if these can even really be answered. Question number one is, so if the government owns a big chunk of, let's say, General Motors in this case, mm-hmm. well, then when does that ever, when does that ever not when is that not the case then in the future? In other words, does the government just own that forever? And if not, how does that work? Does does does, does, like, does somebody at General Motors have to give the money back? And who's going to get who at the company will give the money back if the company is in effect the government? You said like I don't understand yeah. how you ever reverse that scenario. I guess there were a, a a big cardboard check like Lee Iacocca did way back when. Yes, and had it back with uh, interest. So there's that, and then also it does make you wonder why there isn't somebody just creating a car to fill this need that I guess a lot of people feel isn't being filled by the you know the, by by GM or Chrysler or whoever at this point anyway and I keep saying Google sort of like a half a half a joke uh, but you know it makes you wonder why you know why like Microsoft for example hasn't just created like not that I would want Microsoft to make the car because then it would just because then it would just stop running in the highway uh, you know like you'd be going 65 miles an hour and it would except it wouldn't even stop running like if like if Microsoft made the car like, you would just suddenly be unable to steer, and the only way to fix that would be to stop the car, turn it off, take out the engine, and, like, put the engine back on it, like, start it up again, like, all, all the while trying not to be run down by other traffic. But, I mean, it seems Pick like somebody control, would do that. delete. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, before we uh, do anything else, Don Taylor is uh, here from Cinematical. Uh, how do people, so if they go to Cinematical, they search your name, or somebody was looking for your, uh, for your writings there? I guess. <laughs> I've never, Good answer, Don. I've never searched for myself on Cinematic. Oh, that's a lie. I, I search for Well, you. not on Cinematic. I know what stories I wrote, so I can mm-hmm. go directly to those. Well, I guess it's already in your head, the knowledge then. Yes. Is it true that The Matrix, uh, it was it's 10 years, or the, the DVD is 10 years old? Yeah. Today, uh, they've released a Matrix 10th anniversary uh, DVD, which, wow. yeah, that doesn't even Ten seem years. possible. Yeah. You know, it still holds up, though. I watched it uh, about six months ago. Back to back, I watched uh, Matrix, and then I watched... Uh, not too long after that, Terminator 2, which also holds up really well, a few sort of music and scoring observations notwithstanding. That that shootout scene, you know, that it is so famous at the end of The Matrix is still just unbelievable. I mean, it's fantastic. It's enough to almost make you forget about, uh, this, you know, the, the second and third Matrix films. Yeah, sure. the, the Matrix is a brilliant movie, and as far as I'm concerned, the, the sequels just don't exist. Yeah, I just don't acknowledge it. It's anything. best to just pretend that they, they never Is happened. there anything, is there a commentary or anything on this? Because that's like the deal breaker to me with the DVD, is I, if it's a, the lack of a commentary. I'll be honest, I don't really know the details about the 10th anniversary. DVD I just want to hear. Because I just see that they've brought out yet another version of a movie that's already been released on DVD like three times previously. The ultimate hella edition. Yeah, and there's this part of me that just goes, yeah, okay. I'd probably buy it if What's-His-Name Wachowski was there uh, like talking about how he's a woman now. Because it, didn't he become a lady? One of the Wachowski brothers? One of the Wachowski, because it was the Wachowski brothers, but now it's like Wachowski brother and sister. Well, now it's the Wachowskis. The Wachowski. Well, yeah. see, that's a, that's a neat little linguistic uh, way to get around that, I suppose. Because I think there was this whole article in Spin Magazine or in Rolling Stone or something about how one of the Wachowski brothers yeah. had or is having. Or no, he's a lady, right? The sex, yes, he, he became a lady. Uh, but he didn't just become a lady. It's like he became a lady and I think hooked up with like a hermaphrodite bondage 
the king, queen, something or Yeah, rather. he was pretty famous for uh, for being very kinky yeah. as well as... Uh, i got to say, he does make a sexy woman, though. Gender challenged. Yeah. So. All right. But yeah. Don Taylor from Cinematical. Thank you, Don Taylor. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Straight ahead, more uh, news from Tim Riley at the news desk. Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. Uh, today's top five and more. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. You know what I hated? These bait and switch interview emails. Makes it seem as though I'm going to get to talk to Valerie Bertinelli. And then, not so much. You know what I get to do? I can talk to somebody from Red Book about Valerie Bertinelli. Except that's not going to happen, because I'm not going to be talking to anybody from Red Bull. Thanks so much for the Imagine agenda. that still exists. Isn't, isn't that weird? And by the way, let me just say this about Valerie Bertinelli. Don't get me wrong. I do love her, as all the children of the 70s and 80s uh, did. I had kind of a crush on her. Even in that episode where her... Uh, what was, it? was he her cousin? Mark Hamill of Star Wars fame made this appearance on One Day at a Time, where he played, I think, Schneider's nephew, Harvey, who then ended up stealing something or other, and... And Barbara had a crush on him, and then there was this whole thing about stealing, and you know, he, she learned a lesson about about whatnot. I think he was on the drugs, which is why that happened. Anyway, so I had a whole thing about Valerie Bertinelli, and then she uh, married Eddie Van Halen, and then they had the big bust up or whatever. But she seems to be on the cover of one of these magazines about every three weeks. It's either her or Kirstie Alley. It, it's like they're, it's like sort of in the go-to pile. Like if you have nothing to put on the front cover, right there. And occasionally. Uh, occasionally, uh, it, it won't be either. Occasionally, be Cher, and how she's either on death's door or just had a new round of plastic surgery and has a new young gentleman friend. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from TMZ.com our good friend Katie Darrell. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Speaking of young gentleman friends, I love that you give me segues and you don't even know it. Uh, you know, it, it is. It's uh, that we're communicating on. It, it's like an unconscious sort of uh, like a kismet-based plane, Katie. <laughs> Well, listen, there's this great photo up at TMZ.com right now, all right? It's Mariah Carey and Nick Cannon. She was celebrating her 39th birthday. you got to remember, he's in his early 20s, so there's quite a difference between their ages. And uh, they're hanging out on the beach in Barbados. She's in her bikini. She's looking good. Again, she's 39, so she's looking fabulous. Okay, this guy is such a D-bag. He is wearing denim shorts to the beach, all right? Not a bathing suit. They're giant wide leg. I swear you could fit one of me in each of the pant holes. Um, and then he has this tattoo on his back that says Mariah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, each letter is probably about 10 inches tall. It's pretty stupid. You know, and the, uh, the, the denim shorts thing, I was actually just talking to somebody about this the other day because there was, like, a kind of a vintage photograph that somebody uh, – there was. I was reading some, some blog or some, line, some online article, but they were – it was a photograph of Brett Favre, and it was from a long time ago. It was from the day he got drafted into the NFL, and it was just sort of like a, you know, like a, you know, this day in, in whatever history. And it was him sitting in, like, his dorm room playing Nintendo or something. But he had those, like, denim shorts from, like, 1991, I guess it would have been. And they were the really, really tight denim shorts that were then rolled a couple of times oh, at, like, yeah. like mid-thigh. And he had the uh, the requisite white baseball cap, which all the dudes had to wear in the early 90s. And it was like right. suddenly I was there and I could just smell like the bad fake wood paneling in my mom's basement. It was just uh, yeah, was all I mean, kinds of awkward. It, and I think I maybe would have given him a pass on these denim shorts if it wasn't that they were wet and he was using them as a bathing suit. Who swims in denim? People I mean, that's who, an uh, automatic, like, why, you might as well tie, like, a lead bar around your neck. That <laughs> thing's going to make you think. It's for people who have a, a chafing fetish, I believe. <laughs> yeah. I want something that will take off my epidermis while I'm enjoying the sun. Mmm, <laughs> denim shorts. Uh, I want to be able to struggle while getting out of the water. Oh, look, denim today. I want to make it as difficult as possible for rescuers to fish me out of the sea. <laughs> yeah. What else is uh, happening at TMZ? Well, you know when so 
someone says, oh, you look like a million bucks, yeah. uh, and you, you assume they really didn't pay a million bucks, well, apparently Queen Latifah is being sued by a couple of a makeup artists and um, like a, a hair designer, I believe it was, that say that they were cheated out of money trying to get her all ready. The cosmetologist, the makeup artist, her name is Roxana, and she says between the dates of July 2005 and February 2008, so that's about two and a half, three years, um, she was cheated out of $700,000 for doing Queen Latifah's makeup. And then we had the fashion stylist who claims that she was stiffed out of $300,000 during the exact same period. So somewhere in Queen Latifah's life for that two and a half, three years, um, she was paying a million dollars just for clothes and mascara. Do you suppose that, I mean, I, I could make a cheap joke about how blah, 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 a lot of makeup, blah, 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 you know, what is this, whatever, you know. Uh, but it's not even really that, that Queen Latifah, by, you know, requires that much makeup or whatever to look presentable. It more is just that in Hollywood... You get the sense that here's what it is in Hollywood, the pricing structure. If you ever do this, you go to a coffee shop or something, and there's a painting or a, uh, uh, you know, a picture that a local artist has done, and they put it on there, and it's, it's for sale if you want it. And you'll say, oh, that's a, that's a, like this happened to me just the other day down the street from my house. I say, well, that's a great painting. Maybe that would look better. And I wonder how much, oh, it's $450. And it's, you, and you get the sense that they just sort of put the price tag there because it is the perceived value of the thing. And I think in Hollywood, there's a little bit of a game just to see how much you can charge for something without having, uh, you know, without everybody think you're mental. Absolutely. You're totally hitting the nail right on the head. I mean, like, I see that all the time. And this, this is, you know, just another drop in the barrel for these people. But it, it's great that she's stiffing them. I find that hilarious. I mean, I like the idea that she's got the money and she's just like, well, I'm just not going to pay it. What are you going to yeah, do? she realized. She's like, eh, it really wasn't worth it. Thanks, though. Seriously, especially because Queen Latifah seems like she could, uh, it seems like she could probably cause some trouble for you. I mean, just with the right hook uh, alone, I'm thinking she could probably uh, knock out a few teeth. Well, I need to remind you guys, she was a cover girl during some of that time. So we all know, well, you may not know, cover girl makeup isn't that expensive. So to have someone coming over and putting cover girl blush on you i mean really uh, on the, on the that, that's great uh, this was three dollars and 49 cents worth of makeup that'll be eight hundred thousand dollars please yeah, yeah wonderful <laughs> excellent katie daryl from tmz.com thank you thank you so much uh, talk to you guys later all right there you go that's uh katie daryl all right the elongated really <laughs> was what sold that that's wonderful tim riley at the news desk what have we today sir well, I'll tell you. So we want this, uh, not just a, a soccer stadium that's refurbished. It's a used stadium, turned into a to soccer stadium. But part of the deal is to build a new baseball park. We don't say used anymore, Tim. Uh, we say repurposed. It's a repurposed stadium, which is now a baseball park, which is PGE Park, to be turned into a soccer stadium. But that's not all. Where does baseball go? To a brand new stadium. It's part of the deal. Only if we find uh, $26.8 million. See, that's not all soccer's money. fault. But if you add all these figures together, and I wish I had a calculator, find out. So we have 26 million plus 12 million plus 18 million plus 31 million. How many millions is that in all? Here's the thing: is it almost doesn't matter because you're going to end up paying it regardless. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the deal. Uh, so where is it? Because some of this is being paid for. Is it the Paulson family group? Whoever. So this is something like 80 something million. Yeah. But I mean, who is it? Didn't well, it, the Paulson family is paying 12.5? Okay. Who is that? Who is the Paulson family? Tell me, stupid. Do we know who that is? Anyone? I don't. They must have something to do with sports. Or don't they own one of these, uh, the soccer club or the baseball club? I, I, I don't, don't really know. I mean, I don't know. Because it does, and I, you know, I think I made this point last week, it does sort of indicate to you the, the, the giveaway that it's such a bad idea is that the team themselves won't pay for it. Because if obviously there's going to be. Well, such... I think they're restructuring the team, too. 
Uh, what do you mean? Like, you mean the Timbers? Like the Timbers, yeah, because, I mean, there really is no team to be paying for right, it right now because it isn't going to – I mean, it's going to have the same name, but they're going to have different players. Right, but, I mean, somebody must own that, right? Like the Major League Timbers team so, is owned so by guess, somebody. I guess this is Paul. Well, it doesn't exist it. yet. But I guess my, it doesn't exist yet, but, I mean, clearly, like, it's not going to come into – it's not going to spring out of thin air. Like, there's a corporate – like, somebody right now in a room somewhere – like, with, you know, even if we don't know, like, there's somebody going to be somebody who owns the team. Whoever eventually owns the team, it's like, the, you would think that they would just build the stadium themselves. Uh, well, you he know. paid a $35 million franchise fee to Major League Soccer. Who? Paulson. Okay, so they're, so they're kind of responsible for having to bring it here? Okay. Right. Anyway, so, but it, like, yeah, but if you had a thing that you thought was going to be a huge moneymaker, why would you let the city own it? And the answer is you wouldn't. You'd keep it yourself, and you would keep all the revenue. And it, it's not just here. It's every city. You go to every city, and the, you know it is the city themselves that always forks over the money to build the stadium because the team knows that it's not going to make any money. Right. And the team also knows that cities are desperate to look, you know, hey, look at us. We, we got ourselves a team. Now all we need is one of them uh, Broadway shows and a stoplight. We'll be players. And, you know, and, and so every, and this is, you know, that's not important. That's everywhere. Yeah, where you'll, it's even in Seattle because they have yeah they just got um, Major League Soccer there too. Well, and, the, and the, you know like Seattle's a perfect example. Just keep paying out the ass for the Seahawks and the Mariners who win nothing, 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 nothing. And the and the Sonics who I think have actually left aren't the Sonics and they left or they're going There's something like the Oklahoma Sonics which sounds stupid which is is not unlike the Utah Jazz by the way Maybe like the Oklahoma uh, Timberweeds or something or Cyclones the Oklahoma. Uh, Schooners? What just happened? What, like two weeks ago when their story in Oklahoma? I don't think was so. There was something that Oklahoma happened there? Oklahoma's very seldom mentioned. I suppose. I mean, because who really thinks about Oklahoma? But well, you're I mean, on the way to someplace else. No, but it, you know, it, oh, yeah, we did have a story about Oklahoma. I can't remember. But I, you know, I lived in Salt Lake for a long time, and you get the Utah Jazz there, and that's because they were originally from uh, New Orleans. And they're actually that's playing tonight. Name. They're playing uh, the Blazers tonight. <gasps> really? Utah Jazz basketball. Oh, man, I got to tell my wife so she can see them get beaten. Yep. <laughs> I liked, no, seriously, I like, to, I like to let my wife know whenever the Jazz are in town so she can turn on the television and then just cry as the Jazz get crushed, as they always do, by the way. Is there any such thing as Utah Jazz no. in real life? No. Well, there's no. It's Utah Smooth Jazz, Tim. That's what the team would be. <laughs> See, because they're lame. Smooth is what it would be. Well, smooth Jazz. Sorry. An Ohio man has been arrested for driving a motorized bar stool, intoxicated, and crashing into a building. How much damage can you do with a bar stool? Well, apparently he damaged himself. He hit a house going about 40 miles an hour. <laughs> what kind of bar stool goes 40 miles an hour? The one he built. It's custom made. You want to see a picture of it? I don't understand. I. Somebody oh, wow. spent some time to build that. Okay. What he's basically done is he's taken like... Yes. Oh, yeah. It's like a go-kart chassis, uh-huh. that he is, uh, but in the center of it is a bar stool. Yes. Okay, that's pretty impressive. And he was drunk? He was drunk. Who could have seen that coming? People impressed me. Mm-hmm. I like the idea, though, that he anticipated drunk driving. Mm-hmm. I need a thing on which I can drive drunkenly. I know, a bar stool with wheels and an engine that goes 40 miles sure, an hour. Really so the only they, can hurt a, person he can hurt is himself on that thing. Yeah. They, they found him... Uh, a mess on his couch, and he told the cops, I wrecked my bar stool. He stated that he crashed down the street. An identified man who was standing in the kitchen stated it happened about uh, 90 feet down the street. The suspect pointed toward the west, and he said he had drank a lot before that. So he was going 38 miles an hour, he claims, when he wrecked well, and, and hit the side of a house. Good for him. All right. His eyes are very bloodshot. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Hard to believe. All right. Hey, did I mention that on the front page of the uh, Oregonian that this puppy mill is breeding contention? Just want to make sure that was heard by everybody. The Oregonian. I like that choice of words. Puppy mill. Breeding contention.
More news. Breeding, what about Bo Breed Love? Hey, look at See, I was actually going the same way, but you got there even faster. Bo Breed Love will be on the Rick Emerson Show this Thursday, by the way. More details. Bo Breed Love in the studio this Thursday. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Rock 101. KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. Thank you for coming by today. Still ahead, more news from Tim Riley. Oh, and I uh, and I, I have this audio queued up, but I'll do it. Uh, I'll do it uh, after the top five, probably. This audio from KTVO. He's on air birthday greetings. Uh, where it, you know it's kind of like the and uh, kind of the Good Morning at Tumwa, Iowa uh, show on their local whatever affiliate. And they do the birthday things where people can send an email or postcards or something about whether they want to wish somebody a happy birthday, and then they read a whole cavalcade of them on the air. And there's just the most, and I had to edit some of them out, but there's just the, the most amazing string of uh, pranks that got on the air with this with this TV station. So I had many, many, many people send it to me. So, uh, so thank you for that, ladies and, uh, and gentlemen. This is your top five for five, Tuesday. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Wow. Counting is wonderful, counting is marvelous, counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count, don't you? Yes, indeed, here is Tim Riley with today's Top 5. And we all know what's true, people can be truly and utterly predictable in their musical tastes. This becomes especially intolerable when it's a terrible, terrible person. They, of course, have terrible, terrible music in their collections. For example, these are the top five songs undoubtedly loved by your best friend's bitchy girlfriend. These are the top five musical artists you are guaranteed to find in the collection of your best friend's bitchy girlfriend. Honorable mention. Honorable mention going to Shania Twain. Oh, God. So this is honorable mention because I think this might have been more the case five or six years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, I have no friends that have ever loved this song. Well, but see, I don't think you would have friends that... I think that... that, that just based on uh, my interactions with your friends, I don't think a lot of these uh, artists are going to be found in your friends' collection anyway. No, the next one actually is. Really? Uh-huh. And a lot of my friends, actually. I mean, maybe if you lived in Clackamas. So you're a rocket scientist. That don't <laughs> I just find it hard that anyone... So my husband just divorced me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is that out loud? And if somebody was a rocket scientist, come on, that would be impressive. Seriously, I mean... All you're doing is singing in, like, a horrible leopard print bodysuit. <laughs> You want to impress me? Why don't you write your own songs? Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. Try to hold on to a husband. All right. Or try not to be so germphobic and maybe let people touch you when you take your photos. I'm sorry. Is all of that out loud? I'm sure she's a really no, nice no. person. She's yeah. not. She's but, but, here's, but here's the thing. We all know the woman who is really, really into Shania Twain. Uh, and it is always a woman who is sassy. And you know she's sassy because her MySpace profile tells you she's sassy. In sparkly font. Exactly. And it's, it's, be, and it's bejeweled. Exactly. Littergraphics.com. And things that sort of spin around a lot and like a nymph that maybe, and it, you know, and it says, um, okay. and a fairy. The, if you go to if you go to the woman's MySpace page, who's a big Shania Twain fan, it'll you know, you take a look at her and you know a couple things. First of all, she has one of those license plate frames that says Princess. I was gonna, Princess. I was gonna go 49% angel, 51% bitch. Oh God. Yeah. Or Princess. Uh, 
It made me. I almost. I, I almost had to break up with a friend because she had a license plate cover that said, "I'm the princess. Who the hell are you?" Yeah, you can't. No. It was, did, was so it there when she bought the car, or no, did she buy it? No, 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 no. She bought it at a kiosk in Bremerton, and she's older than me. Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's like the. Uh, that's like Jennifer Aniston with the. Uh, I guess we're not in Kansas anymore. Uh, button. You know oh. the the, the yeah. flare. That's what that is. It's flare. But the fact that she went out of her way to buy that flare. Well, there you go. These are the top five music artists undoubtedly loved by your best friend's bitchy girlfriend. Number five, Lil Wayne. That's Lil. Lil. Not to be confused with Lil Osborne's, by the way. Yeah. Sarah? <laughs> yeah. My friend Jessica is in, obsessed with Lil Wayne. And she is one of my yeah. bitchy friends, actually. Yeah. Nobody I know her. She's bitchy, but cool. Yeah. She is. She's, you know, she's 49% bitch, yeah. not 51. <laughs> she actually went up to Seattle uh, for the last Lil Wayne concert, and her and all of her friends made t-shirts. That's, of course. What did the, the t-shirts say? Yeah. Lil Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to go out on that. Uh, these are the I can top... imagine doing this at karaoke. Top five musical artists undoubtedly loved by your best friend's bitchy girlfriend, Tim. Number four, Rascal Flatts. Yeah. So, uh, is this supposed to be country? It is, uh, but it does have that weird. It's, this is the now. This song I think is from what maybe a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, this is a, a relatively recent song. This is the more modern version of the girl who was really into the Shania Twain songs like uh, five years ago. This is for girls uh, from Gresham who fancy themselves cowgirls or country in some fashion. Mm. You know, it, it's like, it's because they grew up in like a particularly sparse area of Vancouver. They perceive themselves to be rural. And, the, and, you know, and let me just say this. The girl who listens to this, find some clothes that fit. Go up at least a size or two. I keep hitting the post accidentally. <laughs> sure, accidentally. You should be I mean, was listening to this song over and over again this morning, desperately trying to figure out where all the uh, where all the uh, uh, the tempo breaks were. Uh, uh, yeah. This reminds me of going to school in um, Pullman. This reminds me of uh, of the '90s when I would have to uh, sort of do these songs on the air, but I would have to play these kind of dance mixes. Where it was a lot of like the uh, tractors, that trashy women song, oh, yeah. but it would like with a break beat or something behind it. This girl, of course, if you like, if you were to go into her, uh, you know, home, you would see endless photos of her and her friends with their faces all smashed into the frame, holding margaritas somewhere. Oh God! And I can see like the, um, it's like a metal frame, but with like plastic flowers on it, and it says friends in a really. BFFs. Oh God! Yeah. And like a really non-threatening handwriting, like scrawl style. And it's all, and it's on spring, spring break, but nowhere good. Oh God! Like gonna make it stop. Like a C grade uh, spring break somewhere. Those giant glasses like they have in Vegas with a long straw. Totally. Mm. Ugh. Is this thing still playing? Yes, make it stop. <laughs> what are you doing? These are the top five musical artists. Sarah just turned it off. Undoubtedly loved by your best friend's bitchy girlfriend. Number three, Maroon 5. Yeah, and you know it's true. Uh, this, by the way, is Brent's contribution to the list. I was making this up. Brent is, is dead on. I just said, top five songs undoubtedly loved by your best friend. He didn't even look up from typing. He was just like, Maroon 5. It was either this or that Jason Mraz guy. 
Jason, oh yeah. He's like missing a letter in his name. Miranda. I know I sound like an old guy, but what are you going to do? <laughs> He's missing a letter. I mean, how is that? I, I, I'm not ashamed Mraz. to admit it. Is it Moraz? Moraz. Moraz? M-R-A-Z. Yeah. How can you teach kids grammar with people who have names like that? <laughs> that's, that's a good point, Tim. How are they supposed to learn phonetics? Constant consonants. Okay. I was going to try to describe the girl who listens to this, but it's like she's so boring, I can't even bring myself to, mm-hmm. to find any adjectives. Like, this music is, is deep for her. This is soul-touching. Totally. No, this is probably the startup song in her MySpace page. When she breaks up with a boyfriend, these are the lyrics that she writes out in the um, passive-aggressive blog. Totally. Your facial expression indicates that perhaps that may have some personal relevance to you or somebody you know. Oh, no. Do you know anybody who did that? No. No, but I, I know people who... You know, I've done things like that. Yeah, who, who like take song lyrics and, and express their emotions in a passive-aggressive way. Like, oh yeah, and then but as you always note, it's the blog that they don't. There's no clarification given because the goal then is is for all of her friends to message or call her, expressing interest in her minuscule life. Mood pensive. Mood lacking in attention. Please look at me. Okay, okay. now I'm done. I have yeah. to turn this off. Stop! Oh, it won't turn off! Good God almighty! These are the top five songs, undoubtedly, top five musical artists undoubtedly loved by your best friend's bitchy girlfriend. Number two, James Blunt. Are you my bitchy girlfriend, Rick? I know you like this song. More than anything. I think this is the kink edit, so I don't think we'll get the false beginning My life is brilliant. Oh, God. My life is brilliant. Sounds like a fake voice, doesn't it? My life is brilliant. This is a girl who seven or eight years ago would have really been in a Sean Mullins. This song doesn't make any sense to me. Think about it. He's on the subway. He sees some girl that he wants to hump. And then he just thinks she's beautiful, and that's it, and they just look at each other. And then he has a plan, which I don't really think can be the case. What's the plan? The plan, I guess, is to stare creepily at her through her bedroom window late at night until the cops come by and tell them to knock it off. You can picture this girl and all of her homely friends swaying together at the concert, by the way. And then occasionally turning to, like, you know, deliver lines to each other. As, like, an affirmation. No, 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 you're beautiful inside, sweetie. All right. Number one, what might number one be? Beyonce. Ladies and gentlemen... All right, it's gonna make me a terrible, a terrible person, but I kind of like this song. You are okay. So you like two out of the five songs. What was the other one I liked? James Bond. Yeah. Oh, who are we kidding? Beyonce's talented. I, you know, you saw her in concert. Really? Did you? When did when did that happen? It was like a couple years ago. I don't remember that. So here's the thing about this song is uh, I work uh, right outside some of the jamming guys, and this song just gets locked into your brain. I mean, I like this song too. I didn't know which one this was. It's not a bad song. It's got a great hook. It really does. Should put a ring on it. That's funny. So this isn't um. Like, this isn't really like a referendum on the song itself, because I really do like the song. And it does sound like what so many, I think, modern R&B songs try to sound like. It sounds like an updated version of some of, like, the classic Motown stuff. Like, you can see this being a Supreme song, but with a very, you know, like a very uh, sort of contemporary sound. 
It's not about Beyonce or about this song. It is about the girl who is listening to this. And by the way, this is uh, the girl who is with the douchebag guy downtown on like 3rd and like Davis on a Saturday night. I mean, it doesn't matter who. Just pick one. Just go downtown. Go to go to Second and Cooch any time this weekend. Just turn around. Pick a woman at random. You I don't will... go down there. Have a hard time parallel parking. <laughs> and this print is so small. How am I supposed to read this? Uh, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Can't you tell? And we're done. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It is Tuesday morning. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, let's see. Well, here's a phone call that only has... It's going to only have the name. Now it doesn't even have that. <laughs> mm, looking at these calls here. I don't know. Uh, these calls, Maybe in the meantime. These calls are either vague or they're totally unlabeled. Seems like there, there be tigers. This, however, is Tim Riley at the news desk. In the news with Tim Riley. All the kids are into it. It's called sexting. And three people, including two teenagers in the lovely coastal town of Newport, are accused of sexting. And that could put them behind bars. Well, it seemed a girl of 17 years old had a little bit too much to drink. But that's it, not an excuse. Uh, this is the girl was engaged in a sexual act. The kids all put it on the video camera, and then they uploaded it into a telephone to pass it on to friends. Uploaded it into a telephone. <laughs> That's right. That just says, I'm just picturing uh, like Mr. Wizard in 1955 with like a huge kinescope, mm-hmm. and then he's just putting like some like one of those weird crank phones that you used to call uh, Lily Tomlin. But this is, uh, of course, it's a family program, so we don't have to work blue. But this was a um, she was engaged Let in an act with a. Uh, a, a, a canine, canine unit. Yes. Canine unit. Uh, and then she shared it with an 18-year-old friend. Do you see send it to other friends, as kids will do. So when she was, like, drunk or when... Yeah. See, but do you see why drunkenness oh. is not an excuse? It alleges that three people took advantage of this 17-year-old drunk girl. How She sent the video, but she was taken advantage of? Well, look, yeah. I mean, Sarah, let's just... Look, you, you drink now and again. Uh, you like to get into your cups, as they say. Mm-hmm. There's no point at which no, you would ever be... God, I mean, you don't need to finish that I mean, sentence. You know what I mean? See what I'm saying? It's like the idea that well, I was drunk. I, You know, here's my... It, this is what I believe. This is just my observation. In my opinion... There's something else going on there. That's the thing. Is It's like uh, when somebody, you know... Uh, when someone drinks, you just sort of see... Not necessarily the real person, but certainly a real facet of them. In other words, part of them that maybe is always there that is sort of submerged a little bit. In other words... And her principal says, quote, she's handled it quite well. Really? But because of the situation, I think she's had some problems, unquote. Yes, I would say so. Uh, Principal Weatherby. Damn it, Betty. (laughs) That dog in here again. Uh, In other words, drinking doesn't create anything in your personality. Uh, as opposed to drugs, which I think probably could do that, it, you know, depending on who you are and depending on when you're taking them or whatever. Drinking doesn't create anything in your brain. It's not already there. Drinking just lets stuff out that's already lurking inside you. So if you're going to be uh, engaging in some sort of act of Congress with w- one of the one of the woodland critters, uh, it, it seems like that's probably a thing that was uh, not off the table to begin with. That would just be my estimation. And here's the real damnable mystery of this. Because the sexting thing is something that, like, they're always talking about the TV news, where it's just like high school kids sitting like, I, you know, I, I am horny, or you, or, you know, or whatever. It's they, because they're now calling this girl getting it on with a creature, and then putting it in a camera. Because that sexting, 
So now suddenly... Now it's just extra super evil? Well, yeah, well, it's not like now it's like one one term fits all. So now, like, that is exactly the same as, like, sending... Yeah, so it isn't bestiality, it's sexing. Exactly. So now, like, yeah, sexting is now everything... So the bar has been lowered. It, well, yeah, so it's like mm. an umbrella term for everything from, like, one sentence that you send on a, uh, you know, on, like, a cell phone to, like, you know, that... Here's Tim Riley. Well, it's a resort town, so I guess things are a little more liberal there than elsewhere. That's right, Tim. You know, this is uh, all Bill Clinton's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sham Wow guy is a renegade ex-Scientologist. Apparently, he made a movie, which didn't do very well way back when. And in the meantime, he was discredited and uh, took, well, they tried to throw him out of the church. And they succeeded. Things got so bad for the Sham Wow guy that he was forced to sell these vegetable shopping machines. At uh, flea markets around the Hollywood area, and the rest is history. Can I tell you that uh, this has nothing to do with anything? Except that my wife uh, bought a Cuisinart earlier this week because she's never owned a food processor in her life, and it was so cute. It was like seeing the it was like seeing the the country mouse in the city. Mm-hmm. I came home and she was chopping up or like uh, grating up some cheese in the Cuisinart, and I said, "What are you doing?" She goes. I had no idea there was a machine that could grate your cheese, which is a thing that I think they've had for like 40 years, and she's just never had one, and it, so it was kind of adorable to see uh, to see somebody fascinated by the, uh, by an automated device for chopping food. All right, are we uh, doing this? Come back. More headlines with Tim Riley. We'll wrap up today's news. Uh, don't forget, Bo Breedlove will be in studio with us on Thursday. Ladies and gentlemen, the day after tomorrow, April 2nd, Bo Breedlove in studio here on the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Back after this. You stay right there. So, yeah, it's all, all a bit of a blur. You remember Sam Adams? Yes, I do. Uh, don't forget, Bo Breedlove will be in the studio this Thursday, ladies and gentlemen, right here on the Rick Emerson Show. Tim Riley, what were today's biggest stories? Cigarettes are going to go up a dollar a pack, and you'll get the tax credits if you buy a non-gas guzzling car. GM will get 60 days to try to clean up the mess that they're in. But it's doubtful that they will. Oh, and airlines are slashing prices for summer flights. Are they? Yes, they are. Wait, for what flights? All summer flights. Because people aren't flying. Nah, see, and I want their genitals exposed when they walk through these new machines, like they have at the Salt Lake City Airport. No, they don't, Tim. The, I, the, uh, yes. It's just one of those stories that I think has a background that maybe we need to explicate a bit. So <laughs> I think earlier in the program we were talking about they got this. I don't even know if we said this on the air, but it, they, we've been tracking this for some time. These airports that have the like super x-rays where it does... It, Why Salt Lake City? It's like x-ray specs where they can see your whole body. Well, because people in Salt Lake City are used to not have any rights. If you live in Utah, you're used to having the government do everything for you anyway and to having no independent thought. Um, Utah was, by the way, the very first place I ever saw cameras. Not red light uh, detectors. Not, you know, like those those things that flash your picture if you speed through a red light. I mean, literally just full-on cameras that the city uses to watch everything. Uh, the very first place, it sounds like a joke, that I ever saw a full-on video camera that the, that the state had just mounted on an intersection just to watch everybody was, yes, on Freedom Boulevard in Provo. Uh, so, but that's everywhere in Utah. So you're just, but at the Salt Lake City Airport, there's this super x-ray thing that just shows you in the altogether, in your birthday suit, as it were. So, so what exactly, so does everybody have to go through these cameras or is it like if you're pulled off to the side for a check? It looks to me like it's the new x-ray. You know, that's so an X-ray. Through the metal so is somebody watching it in the back room on a big screen howling with laughter? Yes. What do you mean? Why would they be howling at laughter? What are you talking about? What do you What do you mean? What are you trying to imply about me? I'm curious to see what all they can see. Like, <laughs> There's Rick Emerson. Look at this. Hey, look at that. Isn't that hilarious? Gather around. Rick, Emer- Rick Emerson's going to be walking through the nude of fire. It'll be a big laugh for the whole room. 
Yeah. It's uh, well, see, and I get to go to Salt Lake like twice a year, so you can ask to go through it twice. Yes, the laughs will be plentiful for those at the Salt Lake City Security. We want to thank uh, Cena Radio Correspondents, uh, Amanda Moyer, as well as Jim Roop. Uh, we also want to thank Don Taylor from Cinematical and Katie Darrell from TMZ.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Tarek Stillen for Rock 101K. We'll fill the newsroom, Tim Riley, Thorns, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in Webminster's Bridges from upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds, executive producer, one Christopher J. Paddock. Uh, smells like the 90s with uh, Buzz is next uh, on most of these. CBS stations. It is Tuesday, March 31st, 2009, and that is the frequency, Kenneth. See you all tomorrow. It's the Rick Emerson Show.